If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and I'm joined by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit-Turner. Hello, Ben, and indeed, hello, everybody. How are you all doing? Hello. Answer. Hello, everybody. We're in the never region, the never zone, the time between Christmas and New Year when nobody quite knows what their name is, what the date is, what, what is acceptable to have for breakfast. Or dinner, or yeah. anything like that. All rules out the window. But right here, we're amongst it in the taint of the year. Here we are. The taint of the year. I like it. I've never heard it described as that before. Did you come up with that? Is that something? No, as... no. Twitter. Um, <laughs> what's, what's his name? Who's the, who's the director? David Bowie's kid. Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. I he, I credit him for that one. Um, yeah, it is the taint of the year. It is, but I don't know. How do you feel about it? Do you feel? Do you like it? Do you feel lost? No, I, I, I like it. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not working myself. There's enough of my team that are working that I don't need to. Thank you guys. Um, but yeah, so I'm. I'm at home. A couple of days off. Catch up on some chores. I was catching up with you off air. Mostly filling it with tedious and frustrating admin. But you know, got a bit of reading done, which is lovely. Nice. I'm not doing. I'm not really doing any tedious or frustrating admin. I'm just uh, lying down flat. I've been watching a lot of football, which is which is nice. I love how the footballers all get back to it on on the 26th of December. What's that? You want a day off? To be fair, they are paid hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. So they should. They I should do that. Play in 20, they should play 23 hours a day, to be honest. They should play 23 that hours a day. I mean, I'd, I'd be willing to get back to work on Boxing Day if that was the case. And on Christmas the... Day, they should be visiting poorly kids in the hospital. Yeah, exactly. You can rest, rest when you're 30 and can retire with your millions of pounds. I always feel though that like I if I was a poorly kid in hospital, I'd feel distinctly worried if a celebrity or anybody dressed as a film character came in to visit me because I'd be like, "What? They told me I was going to get better." 
I think you have to normalize it. I mean, nowadays as well. Pretty dark though, so like obviously with our with with modernize, had you been Paulie Kid in hospital in the sort of seventies, extremely worried if a celebrity came to visit you, probably touch you up. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I didn't know where you were going with that, but you went in the same place. That I probably would have taken it. Sorry, death, death would be a mercy. But no, um, nowadays you are right. You might worry that someone's really making an effort with you, I suppose. But hopefully, everyone everyone got better, and a celebrity visit to anyone that's had one was just a lovely treat rather than mm. you know a send off. Yeah, there we go. It got pretty dark there, but we're we're just gonna get dark. Horror podcast, pretty- right? It's a horror podcast. We're fine. Yeah, come on. Don't make excuses for it. Um, yeah, so we this is officially the last episode of 2022. Uh, and what a year it's been. You know, we've covered a lot of brand new films. We've covered a lot of old films, films that we've never seen before that we can now finally check off that list. We've had um, loads and loads of great guests. Some returning guests. guests what some a time. Guests for the first time. We've had a quiz. We've had... We just had one quiz. I think we just had one quiz. Had a quiz. We've had bonus episodes, and it's officially been like the first year or so of us on Patreon as well. Um, that's been fun, you know, doing all the all the all the bonus content. I think it'd be good to do more bonus content. Um, but we've got some plans for that, I guess, for the for the new year. Yeah, yeah, lots to come. I think it's said we've been we've been debating over lists at some point and in some format. We'll have something to say on a list of our favourites of the year, right? I think usually we do it as a main instalment episode. I don't think we usually do it as a bonus content. So I think we should probably just do the first... If we just do the first episode of 2023 as 2022's year in review. There we go. Coming up next week, everybody. But for now, um, we've got there one we go. we don't, don't even have, the door. Don't even have to watch a film for that episode. Okay. Unless then we haven't done yet. Like to be honest, guys, if you are listening to this on the day it comes out, if there is anything that you really think that we you want us to hit that came out this year that we may not have spoken about in <laughs> passing, that you really think should be considered for our list of the year, you've got days to get in touch for us to watch it. Mere days. Mere days. Yeah, I think we're gonna do like a I'm not sure I'll work out the format we usually do. I think we do like our list of a list of favorites from the year in terms of like new releases. Then we might do honorable mentions, favorite uh, first watch of the year, yeah. potentially. Um, I guess we'll do some dishonorable mentions as well. Um, but maybe like a mini sort of like awards. I guess it's similar in the oh, way that we do with Fright Fest, Fright Fest, where we do like, I don't know, film of the year, performance of the year, Fright of the year, all that sort of stuff. The Triple H, the Horror Hangout Honors. Literally, it doesn't work because of the sound of the of the honors, but yeah. you know, horror hangout honors. Triple H, it's time to play the game. Um, the name game, as we do, not the start of the, not the start of the episode. Save that to the end. That's to come. Uh, that's yeah, to we come. Did we start of the episode though. Cheeky bit of news. Has there been anything, or is the horror A world in on Christmas break? News. Well, yeah, it seems like they've been on Christmas break, but we got a few things. Um, so apparently there's another, and I say another. Because obviously, in relation to this week's episode, another New Year's themed horror movie is on the way, with New Fears Eve being developed, um, and apparently Jeffrey Reddick, who created the Final Destination franchise, will produce and star in the film, sticking himself in the film. There, it's cheeky, isn't it? You're gonna do the um, work. Why not? <clears throat> As the coming year approaches, three friends reluctantly prepare for Hooper Industries' annual Christmas Eve bash. Clock ticks down and the body count rises. That's good. 
as a psychotic murderer known as the Doctor is on the loose. Um, and the the tagline is the Doctor will slay you now. How do you feel about that? Oh, I mean, it is Christmas related, so I don't mind the use of the word slay. New Year, I feel, is part of Christmas. Yeah. Um, well, in, in this film this week, Christmas is very prevalent in, in the sort of New Year. As is um, July. <laughs> as is July. Exactly. They all um, come they all come together. They all come full circle. But yeah, I'm I'm up for it. I love you know, you're coming up with the the name. I think the pun game is a little stronger even than this week's film. Um, you know, New Fears Eve. Um, I would have also accepted Boo Year's <laughs> Eve. That'd have been that have been spooky. That'd be have to be a ghost story though, because yeah. that's the sound that they make, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Unless the killer is dressed as a ghost, or the killer is supernatural in some way, or the killer is yeah, a jack in the box. I don't know. A ja- they <laughs> might also in... say boo when they pop out. <laughs> they might also say boo. Apologies, I have still got a little bit of a cough, so I'm going to try and mute myself as often as possible. But if a little cough si- slips through, um, apologies in advance. Uh, not just to the listeners, Andy, but also to you. Sorry. Can't I can't Sorry. I can't catch anything via the media of uh, of Zoom. We're quite safe. Not yet, anyway. Uh, what else have we got? Some other news. There is oh, Scare Package Two, which we covered briefly on the Fright Fest episode earlier in the year, is now on Shudder. Oh, I've got to get and watch that. I enjoyed Scare Package One. Did was it Scare Package One or Scare Package Two? You watched Scare Package One is on Shudder, which I have which I have seen. I haven't seen Scare Package Two. Because that's just come on. Okay. I'm going to watch so, it. Now. So it looks like they're both on Shudder now. Um, so if you want, first one already was. Oh, I see. I see. So if you want double double helpings of of scare package, then uh, then get yourself get yourself on get yourself in there. And there's some sections directed by um, one's directed by Jed Shepard, I believe. Um, so it's called Rad Chad's Revenge: The Return of Chad Buckley, a character who. Described as a combination of Joe Bob Briggs and Randy Meeks. So I guess like some sort of horror um, aficionado expert person. Uh, yeah, f- feel free to go and, and check that out. That, should, that sounds pretty and good. And at risk of sounding like a broken record, now is the time. You got any, um, anyone listening, you got any Christmas money from oh. unimaginative relatives burning a hole in your old pocket there? Don't end up spending it on your lecky bill or anything like that. That's not what they gave you a present for. Um, we know that we mentioned it in the episode with Holly a couple of weeks ago. Company that owns uh, Shudder, AMC, did some layoffs. What you want to do is make sure that this really essential piece of specialist streaming platform continues to exist. So now's the time. Get yourself on there. Yeah, highly recommend. There's loads of good stuff. There's always brand new releases. There's Shudder exclusive um, and Shudder originals as well. The documentary so. stuff's really good as well, whether it's like the Talking Heads countdown, like we have the 101 scary movie moments and Ben no shortage of seven, eight hour documentaries for you as well, right? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Love a bit of Shudder. Uh, we're not even sponsored by Shudder. This sounds like it could be a section where it's an ad. It's not. It's not. It's no, not. Not, not paid if, for advertising. If, it could be if you're listening to Shudder. Like, check, check it in. I'd talk about my <laughs> Shudder movie of the week, ever so charming it'd be. Watch those numbers rise. But oh, yeah, for now, just genuine fandom. It would be charming. Talking about documentaries, apparently there's a new Elm Street fan documentary called Fred Heads. It's going to release in February 2023. Um, Fred Heads is more than recording fan stories, but exploring the impact of a franchise, whether the obsession over its main character is an unhealthy addiction or brings family closer together. Apparently, that's what it's about. 
Um, so it's just going to be like Freddie fans talking about why they love Freddie so much. Hopefully in normal ways, because I've seen Freddie sexualized occasionally, and I go, he is a kid killer. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to podcast of the day. It's like, no, you can root for Freddie because no, no, you can't. He's a pedo. So no, only the new one. Normally he's just a normal like kid murderer. That's all right. That's fine then. Don't worry about it. What's that? Does it? Does this guy? Is he touching kids or is he? Is he murdering them? Only well, to kill them. Oh, it's all right then. That's, he's killing them. Let him off. He's, he's yeah. killing them, but he's not getting anything sexual out of it. Okay. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible either way, isn't it? Um, but he does have a lovely hat and jumper combo. Um, yeah. So everyone seems to love Freddie for slightly. Various reasons. Yeah, that could be good. I did also see, this isn't horror so much, but there is a Robocop documentary as well. Um, I've not got any information here, but I did see this being confirmed to be for distribution and is going to be out next year. So that could be pretty good. And it kind of made me think I want to watch the free Robocop movies. Maybe maybe the reboot as well, you know, because it wasn't totally, totally awful. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was fine. Was it fine? So, all right, Ben, you've got your fix of robot-related horror coming in the new year, right? We've got Mithrigan coming out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Mithrigan. I don't know when it's out, actually. I think it might be out mid-January. Um, I think, I can't confirm this, but you may know, we're going to have returning guest uh, Lucy coming back to the show to discuss. It looks like her special her specialist subject on Horror Hangout is diminutive... Little diminutive little killers. Little diminutive killers might be um, horrible. Little Lena Clamour might be a might be a Mithrigan. Who knows? Yeah, I think we maybe we'll have to do trilogy of terror with her. Maybe yeah, anything leprechaun. with like a little little baddie. Shame we've already done Brahms to the boy, two Brahms, two Brahmias. Oh yeah, but we got absolutely <laughs> <laughs> we got loads of Chucky sequels and Leprechaun sequels we can dive into. We've done none of them on this show. Yeah, get Lucy and she can talk about all the all the little folks. Oh, we'll do a Leprechaun too one of these days. Tell you what. Oh yeah, what about Leprechaun in the Hood? Yeah, I mean, we've got. I mean, chronology-wise, we've got a few to get through. We've got to get to space before we yeah. get to the hood. completionist. We got to, we got to do it like that. We can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's it for news. Unless there's anything else that's this this weighing on your mind this nah, week. Not really. Yeah, keep keep your head down. Keep your head down and out of the news during these times. I say. Um, by these times, I mean between Christmas and New Year. Just focus on the things that are important, like uh, the fact that bounties no longer exist in celebrations. I know there's got to be some good news, right? The best news of what? the year. Have you heard about the big uh, the news about the big twirls? No, what's this? In Cadbury's Heroes, I think that's what they're called. Cadbury's Heroes apparently they ran out of miniature twirls in the production line. So instead of going, there's no twirls. They've gone. We'll chuck like three or four big twirls in there. Tell you what. I'll tell you what. It's the Wild West out there, everybody. Be careful. What I like about that is that there are going to be people who don't know that this is a thing. And when they open their box of Feroes, they're going to be absolutely dumbfounded and special ju- treat. Jub- jubilant and at the fact. you got a big one. And, and you know what? Nothing what better. One big one. Like four or five. Nothing better than when you think you've got like a like a, a mistake. In your, it's like when you get the chance card in Monopoly, bank error in your favour. It's like that. You've got like a little mistake that's helped you out a little bit. A bit like, you know, when we were kids, Ben, back in the day, sometimes you'd get a Kit Kat, the four finger Kit Kat, and you go to bite it. No biscuit in there. It's pure solid chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. You think, What's this? Yeah. And, then you eat, and then you eat it down, thinking you're the luckiest kid alive. And then you look at the wrapper and it's like, if you find a pure chocolate finger, you win £10,000. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, got it. Got 
Um, yeah, I'd print it on there, and even if I was never intending to do it, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm up for that. It's nice to have a bit of good news to balance out the horrors of the world. No more bounties, oh, yeah. big twelves. I, I, where do you stand on the bounty anyway? Uh... <laughs> Dog shit, we need it. No, uh, not no one interest. I don't, I don't dislike a coconut flavor. But I don't like a desiccated coconut. Very, very mm. claggy. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. Um, I went for a phase in my life where I used to enjoy a, a dark chocolate bounty. Um, when my tastes were developing, you know, from from kid to to adult, I was it's like, not, hmm, it's not dark for chocolate me. bounty for me, please. It's not for me. And I think by putting it in a a box of mixed chocolates like a celebrations, what you're creating is uh, what I call the Kevin McAllister fallacy. His big brother eats the cheese pizza, which is the only one he likes, then knowing mm. that there is no competition for the other pizzas. So anyone who does like Bounty, like an absolute war criminal, can basically be there. They can chow down on all the others, knowing that you're not going to touch a Bounty. And then when the end comes, it's going to be like, oh, do you want all these Bounties then? No competition for them. Yeah. I think that... What did you call is... it? The Kevin McAllister? The Kevin McAllister fallacy. Yeah, so it's, you know, like you're it. creating that that problem so yeah i'm, I'm and it, all and, for this change and justifiable punishment for kevin McAllister starting a fight over that pizza situation he's got to sleep with a relative pisses the bed yeah well, i feel like that's some some, yeah. some would argue that in the film home alone which does segue into what we've been watching so it's mostly been christmas films this last week or so i did watch home alone i think oh i watch their, home alone too i think that leaving their son alone at home is the least of the things the authorities want to look into. I think yeah. the, whole, the whole piece about making him sleep on purpose with a bedwetting cousin as a punishment, that yeah, they're not address the bedwetting with that cousin, the fact yeah. that the older and, and brother he's drink, is not he's in trouble of beating his younger son. His, uh, drinking, younger a can, drinking a can of Pepsi as well, Fuller. Just will he just will he say you're gonna have to sleep in the bed with Fuller, and he's drinking a can of Pepsi. I'm like, take that away from him. If he's notorious for pissing the bed, take that away from him. Oh yeah, he he, gets he, he, sheets he, down. Drinking buddy sand, if you had my, if I had my way. <laughs> Keep a couple of couple of spoonfuls of kitty litter, mate. Dry up on the inside. Glass Always pissing the bed. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. In terms of what we've been watching, I did watch a Home Alone. I watched Home Alone two. I watched a bit of Home Alone two. Um, while I was eating a bit of my Christmas dinner as well. I mean, some people may may frown at the at the idea of TV while they're eating a lovely dinner, especially Christmas dinner. Christmas, do what you want. Of the year. But it is Christmas, do what you want. And I ate the Christmas dinner during the best part of the film, which is the Sticky Bandits, not the Wet Bandits in Home Alone 2. The they've rebranded, bandits. right? They've rebranded. Um, getting absolutely owned and, you know, pretty much killed by by Kevin McAllister. Um, and every time I watch it, this is what I like about Home Alone, it always... Every single time, I love watching the traps go off and, and the various and the sticky bandits getting hurt because you go, they're dead. That one killed them. Yeah, oh, definitely every dead. time. Skull split in half, uh, but brain damage, internal bleeding, um, all those things. Again, electrocuted, pretty pretty black, bad, blind with all the paint in your face. Yeah, third uh, degree PJ burns. Yeah, it was PJ it was, and Duncan. It would have been yeah. I like doing exactly the same. I did it with the first one every time it happened. They'd be like. You'd be dead, or at very least, you wouldn't feel like burgling that house anymore. You'd be like, 
no yeah this was the discussion we had i said what point would you just walk away because he in the second film he's got evidence of them robbing that toy store they have to get it but i just think just go on the run because they've already escaped from prison so they're already like wanted criminals so just go on the run like them him having evidence that they stop doesn't make sense but obviously they do want to kill the kid. And that's what's really dark about it is there is even a line where Harry says, I don't care if I'm getting the chair, I'm gonna I'm gonna murder that kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean he I'm has brain damage after that, that old man hammered him with a snow shovel in the first one, probably yeah, had yeah, yeah. to kill him. Yeah, so yeah. I watched I watched that, but like that other than that, it's all been it's all been Christmas movies. I was gonna ask you though, one film that I think actually might even fit our definition as a horror movie. Any any incarnation of this. I watched um as always Christmas. I watched the uh, I watched the Christmas Carol, one of my favourite stories. Oh, yeah. It's got ghosts in it. But he can't yeah. chock us with ghosts. Is... Which one? Muppets Christmas Carol? I watched Muppets, the superior version of that film, obviously. Yeah. Um because because every year, like the the real life horrors of of both massive wealth inequality more important today than ever <laughs> um you know watch the thing the thing of wealth equality and child mortality old tiny tim yeah. makes me cry every bloody year that's oh, a little, yeah tiny little, tim a little, a little sob and he's like a little frog just singing a song about being thankful oh. for stuff when, when you haven't got very much there's there's a really what's that little girl ghost thing in in christmas carol the the ghost of christmas past which terrifying. is terrifying like a little girl in the book, its description is horrific, it, that it looks at the same time like a child, but also an old person. It and it's has like a thousand faces. It changes all the time. Oh, Ever so scary. Yeah, Christmas Carol Christmas Carol is a horror story, but a beautiful story, and I enjoyed watching it's, that too. I love how Michael Caine plays it as serious as possible. Yeah, he takes it very seriously, and I think that's what makes it's it a magical and wonderful film. Um, yeah, other than that, not horror at all, but you know, lovely, nice Christmas watch. And I watched Paddington, <laughs> lovely Paddington Berry's ever so nice, isn't he? Oh, but other nice. than that, no, it's no no horror content apart from the movie of the week. Give it a little yeah. rest for a week. I don't think, I I don't think I've watching. No, no Christmas watching. Ah, uh, sorry, no horror watching for me either. I did watch Glass Onion, the new Knives Out oh, so movie. That was very good. Very good. Um, I think like it's 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 a it's an amazing cast. I think everyone is everyone is on point. Especially love a bit of Batista in anything. Anytime he turns up in something, um, and also Janelle Monae, uh, supr- like an actress that I've seen in not all that much. I don't think, but I was very impressed with her performance in this, and it made me kind of think, oh, okay, maybe I've maybe I would like to see her in more. So I think she was the standout. That was good. I also watched The Banshees of Inisherin, the new um, movie with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, the new movie from Martin McDonough. Um, it's kind of like a, a a bromance, a toxic bromance movie set on an island in an Irish island in the nineteen twenties. Okay. Uh, and very very uh, like a bit of a black comedy, I guess. That was good. Okay. Um, yeah, and I've still got a couple. Of things I kind of want to watch before the year's out, so that I kind of my best of twenty twenty two list, not just horror, kind of everything, can can be a, a fair cross section of of everything. I think I've take seen. It'll take shape. Well, I've got a few days left to do that. Yeah, I've got a couple of things on it. I've got a few films that we've covered on the podcast. 
um, a few films that we've covered from Fright Fest and made the cut. So I tend to do like a top 25. I don't know. I, I feel, that feels like a good amount for me, 25, because I, I think usually I've seen maybe like 40 new releases a year. So if I can do get, cut it down to like my top 25 of the year. Um, that sounds that good. Works. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to doing my, my top movies of the year. And like you, Ben, I look forward to being especially wanky and going like, I mean, this film isn't actually on general release yet. I did see it at a, uh, a film festival earlier. <laughs> my favourites, actually. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to do that. But yeah, other than that, as yeah, it is the season, watch the film of the week. Yes, yeah, so we did a Christmas special last week with The Killer Santa. Um, and now we're doing a New Year special with... Um, a killer New Year's Eve party. I don't know uh, how many how many horror New Year's Eve movies or New Year's movies are there. Just this and the upcoming New Year's Eve and my new project Boo Year's Eve. Boo Year's Eve. Isn't there um, a film so called? Three. There's a film called New Year's Evil, I believe, but I don't know how much of a horror film that is. Oh wait, no, like it, it is film. a slasher film. It's a slasher film. Um, nineteen eighty. Oh, I'm right in my wheelhouse. I have to watch New Year's Evil. First 10 minutes, as I have seen it before. Who knows? New Year's, New Year's Evil's a good pun as well, isn't it? Boo, yeah. Year's Evil. New Fear's Evil. New No, sorry. Boo, Year's Eve. Yeah, that's my one. New Fear's Eve. That's the one that's, that's that new one, yeah. And New Year's Evil. That's the ultimate trilogy, you know? Ultimate trilogy. Apart from, of course, Bloody New Year, which, I mean, we'll cover it as we touch the film. For me, Ben, perfect pairing with The Shining. Oh yeah, it's an absolute. It's got so many like parallels, into like thematic parallels and story parallels, um. And I did even get some Shining vibes because even though The Shining is you know set in the in America, there's something I don't know what it is. There's something that always made me feel it's like British, and I think it's the setting, like the fact that we're in this yeah. big hotel. It kind of reminded me of these big, um, sort of um seaside resort hotels that you get. Um, the big posh ones. Uh, but the one yeah, in the so witches can... that Mr. Beans. The one in the witches, yeah, exactly. The one right on the right on the cliffside there in the witches. Reminded me of that, and I think that's where The Shining's always kind of resonated with me. It's feeling like a British film, even though obviously it isn't, and it isn't set in the UK. It shows the hypocrisy of um, some horror audiences as well, Ben, because I think you know lots of things. You talk about the parallels <laughs> between these two movies. Some would say some of the you know, more obscured metaphors in The Shining. You feel like that, people do a chef's kiss and say, oh, what a bloody masterpiece. They watch this and I'd wager a lot of people say incomprehensible shite, but it shows, <laughs> doesn't it? Just shows the inequalities that people are, people are bringing to the table. I'll tell you what, if you're watching this... New side by side. If you're watching this and you're thinking incomprehensible shite, you're, you're a little bit right. Let's not be wrong. Let's not... Uh... You are a little bit right, but entertaining and comprehensible shine at the same. So, Bloody New Year is a 1987. God, reading that out, 1987. There are films that we've covered from the 70s that seem, that don't seem as old as this film. This film, I was like, it got me in the 70s, right? But you kind of are judging things based on the hairstyles and the, and the fashion. Temporal disruption because they dress like they're from the 50s, the, quite a lot of the film. Oh, yeah, of course. Confusing. Okay. So Bloody New Year is a 1987 British supernatural horror film directed by Norman J. Warren, starring Susie Aitchison, Nikki Brooks, Colin Hayward, Mark 
Powley and the plot. A group of friends take refuge in an island hotel that is decorated for New Year's. The problem is, it's early summer, and soon enough, even the wolves themselves are striking out against them. That's oddly specific. You mentioned this film a little while ago, didn't you? And it was, I think it was a few months ago you told us about it. I think I watched it in the other perfect season to watch. I think I watched it in the summer. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think you did say we should do an episode, and I was like, well, why don't we save it for New Year? Look at that. As always, we, we keep to our word on this show. And now you've now you've seen it, Ben. Just the, the first bit of either absolute damnation or vindication for me. Are you glad we're covering this? Do you understand why it's worth talking about? Oh, hell yeah. Because, you know, the, I think the film, the, the films that are the, the worst to cover on this show are the films where not much kind of happens. And it's like, ah, it's quite good, um, but it's kind of middle of the road. It's a 6.5. It's a 5 to 6.5 out of 10. It's either side of that where I think we have the most fun. And... Yeah, this falls in the realms of being, you know, from a which, lot of people's perspective. Which, which way beyond the mediocre? Who will we'll find out at the end? We <laughs> will find out. Yeah. So it has got this might this might help you work this out, Andy. But it's got four point five on IMDb. That's five three, stars. No, <laughs> four point five. Unfortunately, not. It's out of ten. Also, Rotten Tomatoes, no non-applicable critic score. It's only got one review on there. Surely that's you know former yeah. guest and former guest Lucy. Surely she she will have covered Bloody New Year. I hope so. Might have to double check. Twenty eight percent audience score. Um, and we got some choice, but I've got some choice reviews here, and the choice reviews are a lot kinder than perhaps those scores indicate. Um, so Tony the Terror says it really is the UK version of Ghost House with a kooky haunted house, plenty of daylight frights, silly gags mixed with gore a bloodthirsty wooden duck, and a pool table that turns into a funhouse ride car. Four stars. Uh, and Lauren T says, cheap supernatural time warp hot mess. Three and a half stars. Uh, and Mushy Minion says, bloody new year, bloody good time. Oh, Four how many stars? Four stars. Four stars. Yeah, so they seem pretty you know, keen, keen on this as a movie. I think being a, a British person who grew up, you know, born in the 80s and grew up in the 80s and 90s. There's a lot to enjoy about this, especially like, they're at Barry Island, right? They do go to Barry Island. The log flume has got Barry Island written on it. Yeah, so like seeing a fun fair slash fairground, a British fairground like that, um, and kind of seeing all of these Britishisms alive and well in this film. Uh, it it, It made it for me feel like one of those made for TV, and obviously has got gore in it, so not aimed at kids, but still felt like it kind of had that vibe for me, like a made-for-TV yeah. 90s horror, but like like family-friendly horror thing yeah, until kind of, we start seeing the gore. It gave me the idea, the, the vibes of, like, growing up when you're, a, when you're a kid, like, growing up in, like, the late 80s, early 90s, and the things that were on, like, TV of a Sunday, like, on a BBC Two or whatever. Yeah were like a late with of 70s made TV movies that were just on endless rotation on the daytime. And there'd be infinite numbers. There's one about oh, Sammy's super t-shirt. He has a t- he has a t-shirt as a tiger on it, gives him incredible powers. There's one mm. called the Glitter Ball about this little, little ball bearing that comes from space. He's an alien, eats custard. And there's a man called Filthy Pottery who wants to use it for burglaries. Is this real? 
it's on YouTube. Look it up. I recommend to anyone watching now. Watch the Glitter Ball. That is the most seventies British film you've ever seen. Wow. Filthy okay. Potter, the villain of my childhood. Jesus. Sounds yeah, and, watch, and it and it has the feel. It has the the vibes of a of a program like that. If only the ghosts were somehow befriending some children to stop it being demolished by some developers. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. It definitely had that sort of vibe. It had that sort of vibe, family friendly vibe. Some of the kids could potentially enjoy until you know the gore starts. Until the because... until we get Hellraiser hooks later on with a very very Hellraiser effect of them being dug into the skin. Yeah, I mean. So this is 1987, so obviously this came after things like Hellraiser and The Shining and stuff, but clearly, clearly takes homage from from those films um, in a way. And even, and even like kind of silly, in a silly way, like Evil Dead or something, obviously not a slapstick and over the top and meta as sort of films like that, but it kind of feels like, you know, this group of young, this group of, I guess they're kind of like, did you say teenagers? They are supposed to be teenagers. It's hard to tell, isn't it, in 1987? Yeah, because everyone, you know, everyone looked 30. Everyone looked 30. This is post-Greece as well, where everyone in the Greece movie was about 48. Um, and, you know, yeah. so that, that, so, that's what's confusing about it. The hair is confusing as well, you know. Yeah, it's basically just adults that are meant to be young who do things like go to the fairground and the seaside, but also have Land Rovers and boats. Yeah, I mean, is this... Geog- geographically correct is there like an island off the coast of Barry Island? Is Barry if Island? Off, if you go off Barry Island, there is another island, which is yeah. in kind of a time vortex. After a military spoilers for the movie Bloody New Year, after a military plane, which oh, was bending lights and apparently therefore time. But you know what? I like that as a concept because. It's an interesting, unique it's mad. explanation for what it could be. Like, they could easily say, a load of people were murdered in this hotel, and now you're here, they're all ghosts, and now they want you to stay and be part of the hotel, because that's kind of like, again, very Shining-esque. Every, every, kinda... haunted house, every haunted hotel you'd ever <clears throat> find. Yeah, leave me alone, let me leave, no. Um, but how far is their control? Because it's, it doesn't just control the, the hotel, it controls like, the whole island. Like You can't even get to the coast without... The sand wanting to suck you in. Yeah, people slurping you off left, right, and centre. And who knows what will happen when you walk through a door. Maybe a net will fall on you. Maybe it'll be a door to absolute oblivion. Who knows? Sometimes there'll be a snowstorm in there. Oh, yeah. Like, it is very, very silly and over the top. And the the, the visual effects are, like, not great, but at the same time, effective. The fact that it all kind of takes place during the day as well is a very interesting choice. But I think a good choice. Because it just feels very otherworldly and genuinely quite spooky in places. When there's like this maid who comes in, all, ghost maid, all, ghost maid, all well to do and and sort of polite. I was I was I genuinely got a little bit of a chill. I was like, ooh, we know she's some sort of ghost. But that's what, so is that why it never becomes day, never becomes nighttime, right? Is that what we're meant to think? Because of a time, warp. some sort of time warp, yeah. Because there was a moment when one of the guys says. I have to get the lights on. It's going to be going to be nighttime soon, and then it oh, he goes down. Nighttime. And he goes down into that really well lit cell, well lit cellar with his with oh, his yeah. candle. Makes zero percent difference to the light. Handy, uh, yeah. So this is starring a load of British actors who I don't really recognise. The only one I recognise is someone called Mark Powley, who was apparently in. Oh, wait, here we go. He was in the Bill. 
Uh, oh, he was in the bill. Only for three years, though, but that's 88 episodes. Something called Next of Kin. Uh, interesting. He kind of stopped acting in 1990. Yeah, enough. It feels like there's a lot of people not in very much other stuff, right? So I, I'm just, I've clicked through there, that letterbox. So we've got Susie Aitchison, old Leslie, um, <clears> was in something called Father and Son, and something else called Gobble. No poster for that. Nicky Brooks as Janet, not in anything else. <laughs> Tell you what, yeah, it does seem like that, him yeah. is pretty Rick shouting Jan in the really Alan Partridge Dan voice. <laughs> oh yeah, Jan. Jan. <laughs> maybe maybe there's the reason this feels like sort of British made for TV drama is because a lot of these like the people who have been in other stuff have been in things like Casualty, Midsummer Murders, Brain Are Hill. You Being Served. Uh, someone was in Mr Bean. <laughs> so clearly like cut their teeth before and after this film um, and the only it looks like that people who've got this listed as movies is the only movie they've been in so I'd love to so I'd yeah. love to know how this came about and um, so Norman J. Warren as well I'd love to know what the story was because this, this he, he made he did make a f- quite a few films he made a film in but this was the last film in 1987 he died in 19... 19- Sorry, he died in 2021. So he made this film and he just went, I'm out. I've you, had just enough. Me, you just sent me on a little journey there, Ben. And you were saying, like, I'd love to find out. I was like, is this film obscure enough that no one has sought out Norman J. Warren to ask him and have a little interview about it? I thought, yeah, maybe that can yeah. be us. Maybe we'll do some legitimate oh, horror yeah, journalism. That would be good. And we've missed out by just a few, just a few short months. I would love to find out more. I'd love to find out about the actual filming at Barry Islands as well and like how that came about. And oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, though. One guy, now I don't know if this is true, I only saw this on Letterboxd. Apparently, the guy who with like grey hair, who's like the operator of the waltzers, is in yeah. Shaun of uh, allegedly, I don't know if this is true, is in Shaun of the Dead as the owner of the Winchester. Now, I don't know if that's true. Someone wrote that on Letterbox. I could see that, like Carnival. So I can't confirm. But then again, like that was, well, I suppose it was about 15, 16, 17 years later. Carnival Dad. Those are weird, those Carnival guys. How did they get to the other island? We'll get is, Letter- is Letterbox has him on the same thing? So Bloody New Year, Shaun of the Dead, and then some Doctor Who. Does it? That's it yeah. then, confirmed. The guy in this with the grey hair who tries to beat someone up with a... There's like a chain. A chain around his, around his hand. Okay, so the basic premise of this, we get like a little um, pre... Not prequel, but like a precursor. Little, to the little, cold, little cold open while people are having a lovely new year. Not a bloody new year, a lovely new year. Just congering about. Con- having a constant conger. The music doesn't seem like music you can conger to either. I was like, how are you getting a conger going to this? Oh, it's, it's, uh, it, it had like Beautiful South vibes. At the beginning, yeah, yeah, yeah. it comes up. It gives us very clear direction that all the songs in this film are by a band called Cry No More. Yeah, um, it's a song. Good songs, you know. It's a song all about um, take one boy, take one girl, add a little love, shake it up. You know what that is, Ben? Go on. It's a recipe for love. It's a recipe for love. <laughs> That's what you're um, going. Are they yeah. a real band or are they one of those fictional bands that kind I- of like? I, I couldn't I couldn't find them on, uh, on Spotify to add to my horror movie playlist, so I'm assuming that the I'm afraid I'm, I'm afraid that the only place you can really take that in that music in is um, by watching the film Bloody New Year. Some of the music choices are kind of odd. I know a lot of the, but I don't know. It kind of does take you out of it a little bit, doesn't it? There's no like genuine dread 
There's no, there's no like soundtrack which is supposed to create genuine dread. And the fact that it all happens during the day as well, and without without the soundtrack being like that, did kind of make me feel. Um, Do you reckon Ariasta ripped this off for Midsummer? I mean, I think that's one hundred percent confirmed. It's got he must have done because daytime. I mean, did we? We I think we discussed this fairly recently. We said films that take place pretty much exclusively during the day horror movies. How many are there? Just the two. Just the two. I think you might have had another example, but I can't remember it right now. Um, so yeah, this cold open kind of explains that there was a New Year's Eve at the Grand Island Hotel, and does it does it confirm that like everybody apparently vanished? Uh, a woman just looks spookily in the mirror, and then that's right. And then we just jump to our main characters having a lovely time at Barry Island at the seaside. This is absolutely crazy because the amount of footage of Barry Island that that this film has got. Is all crammed into this first sort of like ten minutes, um, and I loved it. You know, I really, really loved seeing it's, everything. I, I love looking at the prices of things. Oh, what's that? You want to come and get a ice cream logo? Walls ice cream logo. Uh, a log flume. A pirate ship. The waltzes, and you know what? This film is completely realistic. There's always two blokes on the waltzes with arms like. Arms of steel, arms of steel, arms four of arms steel, of steel, arms of steel, and denim jackets spinning a spinning a young woman around too much, spinning you around into oblivion. Because I, I don't know how you feel about going on the waltzes, Andy. It's always been a bit too much for me. I've always used to like the waltzes, but not it's being not... a uh, not being a, a busty underage girl, I never used to get the spinning that they used to get from the waltzes. <laughs> not being a busty underage girl, it remind it always made me think of like. Um, the training that astronauts go through to, uh, on to the old to, centrifuge uh, come to come on the old centrifuge to come to terms with the G force. Then um, after wasting all those millions of dollars, on you, you just you just put them in a tank top and send them to send them Barrellers. to Barry Island. Get yourself down Barrel. There's two blokes down there, right? Uh, what are their names? Kevin and Keith, and they'll yeah. spin you to within an inch of your life. And they'll even if even if you fight back against them, they'll pursue you. Across hell or high water, yeah. In order to get you back and beat you up, yeah, they'll spin you. I guess that's the only way. Like you're never going to get a spin on the waltz. So certainly, maybe things have changed. Maybe, maybe traveling fairgrounds <laughs> have come a long way since I last went to one. I, but just... <laughs> I feel without being, without being a teenage teenager in a tank top, the only other way to get yourself a good spinning on the waltzes as a teenager. If they're not, if the ride operators aren't attracted to you, is to give them grief. It's to say, oh, give them grief. What's that? Oh, oh yeah, crap at spinning. You can, you, I bet you, I bet you, yeah, bet you oh, a bit faster. I'm gonna be a little girl. Yeah, oh, cool, cool, mate. Call that a spin. Your forearms, rubbish, boo. Then they'll spin, uh, yeah. Or I thought, like, pretend to be sick. Or like, oh, oh yeah. God, it's too much. Or they, oh, do you know that the trio, the trio, they've been called a, in this film, they've been called a trio of hooligans, right? However, I wouldn't say they're hooligans. They're merely standing up. I mean, they are bastards, actually. That's me. They're, they're, they're um, bastards, but they're standing up to their, for their business. They, they, arguably, you know, they've got names. Don't make a right. There's, there's Ace, one of them. He's got it on the back of his jacket. One of them is called Ace. One of them is called The Bear. Do you know what the third one's called? It's the old bloke. Hopper. Very close. Dad. So dad, ace, and then and then the third one there. It reminds me a bit of Alex Horn if he was in Dex's Midnight Runners. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's because of the... Um, the... Neckerchief. Neckerchief, yeah. Um, so the the teenagers, there's a couple, couples, Leslie and Tom, Janet and Rick, and then they've got their friend Spud, who um, l- he can't wait to get his hands on an American tourist girl and just take care of them, because that's what he's good at, he says. Bloody, bloody, nice, bloody nice guy syndrome, isn't he? Who oh, yeah, at first nice is, is touching up touching up Jan when she's on the thing, like while while Rick is helping her with her suntan lotion, he's like starts creeping and rubbing her back. Yeah, goes, yeah. Trying to put suntan on her buttocks. How incredibly rude. Um, and he goes, oh, I just want to find someone nice to look after. I will go and find my own girlfriend, and that's when they go off to Barry Island to have a lovely time, like at, yeah. the, at, the, at the fun fair. This is this is carnage in Bar- Barry Island, though, and. Uh... This this kind of reminds me of Mr. Bean a little bit. You know, Mr. Bean used to muck about on Barry Island and all of these. I reckon Mr. Bean could be there at the same time as these teenagers. He'd be, going chasing, about his a, he'd be chasing a baby round on the dodgems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, uh, so those those carnival ride operators that we that we mentioned, so Dad, Dad, little Alex Horn, and uh, Ace. Dad, spin- Ace, and the bear. They're spinning uh, an American tourist who's come to the the fun fair on her own too much yeah. on the waltzers, and she's like, she's screaming, oh, "Leave it out, will you?" And he goes, "Nah, you're coming around with us again. We'll spin you even Ooh, more. We don't. We're going to stop to you, Chunder." Um, they're giving her a right old spinning. So these these lads, they take it upon themselves that right, we've got to come to the rescue here. Um, while the girls go off to get a fortune told. Um, oh yeah. The girls go off to get a fortune told. They'll just they'll just step in in a in a harassment situation, which I would say the first action they take here perfectly reasonable. I think they escalate it a little bit too far, which what which what lands them in the situation they're in later. Because rather than I don't know calling a constable, just shouting at the people, they take it themselves. Old Tom takes it under him on himself to go under the workings of the yeah. um, of the waltzers pull the big pull the big like frankenstein's laboratory lever to cut the power and then yank yeah. a load of the electrics out like yank out a fuse yeah. sending the carnival operating men flying off absolutely the flying off and they're immediately bloodied as well like i don't know what happened they landed on their face or what oh one one gets um, bloodied when he gets bashed by a dumbo in a bit but uh, but, oh yeah oh yeah of course but they get yeah, basically what, what could have the roller coaster the get stuff. what could have easily been like a, a minor a minor exchange or you know some some kind of disagreement escalates into violence and then a, a kind of comical chase like a, like a lifelong feud basically because not only do they i imagine there's got to be a risk of them damaging that expense you know their livelihoods by to, by to be fair though i think no matter what happens to fairground rides they they get oh, pieced together yeah they'll be operating even if they are like just on the precipice of breaking down um and maybe killing somebody they'll always be always stick be some, stick some gum on it but it's going to be fine well what i think probably settles this <laughs> now is that they not only have them thrown from the ride by the centrifugal force to rescue the, the damsel in distress, but then he full on no 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 nurs them. He literally does. He actually does. He, he, <laughs> he takes the fuse out so that they can't even 
get their their waltzes wide. Waltzes wide. I can't even get their waltzes wide at work. Um, and he goes, nah, 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 nah. That it's like a fever dream this moment. And then they run off and they all like split off as well, don't they? Dad Ace yeah. and the Bear give chase. And you would, you would absolutely. To be honest, I think still to this day, as a as a normal rational adult, if someone had something of mine and they said no, 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 I'd probably chase them to the ends of the earth. Like those yeah. African hunting dogs that pursue animals for days until they're exhausted. I reckon I mean, that'd I, get me in that zone. I'd follow them. I get this fairly regularly. My nephews make a make a habit of stealing my hat and run, not only running away with it, but running away with it and hiding it. To which to which point I'm like, okay, I'll go along with the game. Ha ha, yeah, give it back. But it gets to a point where I need it back. I'm about to leave, you know? Oh, can I have my hat back? I'm about to leave. Nah, we've hidden it. You're never going to find it. And I'm and then... Is that, you, is, that, is that where you lean in and tell them, like when they ask you about like Freddy Krueger, yeah, he kills kids, you know. <laughs> Freddy Krueger kills kids, you know, not not just kills kids. And um, you, think, right. you think as a baddie, you'd only come after uh, you'd only come after good kids, you know, opposite opposite moral line. But actually, he prefers killing bad kids. Actually, yeah, he does. And, and he uh, gets you in a way that's befitted your thing. You heard about Jigsaw? He takes the thing that you do, hiding hats, for example, and he'll. They'll get you in a serious trouble. You're going to wake up, mate, with fucking bear trap on your head, saying, <laughs> oh, used to steal hats. Now you're going to have to fucking steal hats to survive. Steal a hundred hats. Now if I, I've put... If I find them, even one of them, you're dead. Now I've put a thousand hats on your head and your neck can barely, can barely get <laughs> maintain, maintain the weight of it. One more hat, enough to snap at any human neck, will be placed on your head in one minute, unless you can oh. reveal where, where your uncle's hat is. The men, are cha- the carnival men, are chasing after our heroes, uh, and they 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 taunted them with the um with the fuse. There's a brilliant bit where one of them is cornered by the um Rick is cornered by the. They go to the fortune teller's booth, and the lady's doing a brilliant Eastern European accent. Um, that mm. she talks to them a little bit about time and said time if you stand close to it it's like a river like an eternal river but actually if you look at it from further above she doesn't get to complete that metaphor before no. the lads burst in knock all the cards on a table over give her ever such a jolting uh, unnecessarily um, yes, and then take her out there Rick is cornered but throws the fuse to Tom who misses catching it it falls under does this ride have a name like the up and down flying up and down Africa. flying animal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a it's like a kiddie. Like a kiddie like ride, like ride. Um, but little Alex Horn doesn't see um as he bends down. He's almost reached the um he's almost reached the fuse to get their waltzers working again. They can spin unsuspecting tourists as much as they want, but he doesn't see um Disney's Dumbo flying straight towards him. What he's done there is he's strayed into the ride operating area. And yeah. he gets absolutely and it's and it's only not, not to do that. There's signs and everything. Don't do that. Don't stray into the path of the ride. Like, can you imagine getting hit by a roller coaster? Horrific. He gets he gets a Dumbo right in the forehead, and he's revealing. Right. Um, I I reg- I neg- I'm not a fan of him being called the bear, right? Because I would say the bear is is usually a heavier set man. He's he's long and thin. He's tall. If he was, if you compared these guys to the Casper ghosts, the bear would be a uh, stretch. Yeah, he's a long and thin man. The fact that he's called the bear, I don't know, if it's just because he's got a hairy face. I, I, I fully reject that. Um, 
so yeah, they, they basically they rescue Carol, this American tourist, and they all escape. Um, into the and, ghost train. <laughs> oh yeah, into the ghost train, which is a genuinely terrifying ghost train, you know? They, I was a bit like, I wouldn't want to be there. They run into the ghost train. You know what makes... I don't know, Ben, I'm not sure if you've ever encountered this. You know what would make a ghost train scarier for me? Go on. Someone crashed a fucking Land Rover into it, which is exactly <laughs> what happens. Jesus. Exactly what happens here. A Land Rover with a trailer. They basically, they're there and they're, be, they're you know, there's, there's a spooky man with an axe and there's all, and the mm. carnival men are chasing you around in there. And then... Is there again, security? Is there security at this carnival? You can intervene in any way because it feels Apparently like it's not, just gone, gone forever. While the, others are, while the others are runabouts, Rick has just gone in, got the got the car, smashed hmm. it through the ghost train, they all get on, they're in his boat in the trailer, and then the, the carnival men are hanging off the sides like it's an action movie, like it's an under siege. And I'd be embarrassed if I was these carnival men and I got myself into this situation. I'd, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if this is this is the career for me. I love how they've all got their weapons though. Like one of them's got the brass knuckles. The yeah. dad has got like his special chain weapon that he's got. It's like the Streets of Rage. It is um, like the Streets of Rage, yeah. But they all get they all get biffed off the boat that they're all clinging onto, and fall into some conveniently placed boxes. Boxes, like yeah. Or just loads of those, you know, those big floater footballs that you would buy yeah, at the yeah. side, but inevitably lose. And there's a you kick it and it go in nine different directions. There's a period in my teenage years where we used to go and buy like a one pound football from the Wilcos several weeks in a row, probably over the course of one summer. Always ended up in the river, like impossible. Yeah. Like not not because we're bloody hoodlums, just played within a hundred miles of a river, so inevitably it would like get kicked into the air, get caught by the wind. Yeah. Uh, then you'd spend an hour like trying to throw stones at the opposite side of it to use the ripples to push it back in your direction. Never um, works the way you want it to, uh, does it? Doesn't. Never ever does. Um, so yeah. Uh, that... So so where where is this boat? Is this boat just on the on the sort of coastline somewhere? And I'm they guessing go... it's just a boat that they had because it's on the trailer at the back of their at the back oh, of. Oh yeah, car. of course. So go, just right. drive off then. Just drive off then. Why would you try to escape via the sea? Yeah, wouldn't I just drive to any other town away from Barry Island? Gone Literally anywhere ball. else. I can't imagine Ace Dad and the. Well, I say that, but they do pursue them to. <laughs> they, they might pursue them to an island off Barry Island. They're not going to pursue them to Birmingham New Street. <laughs> we don't know. They're pretty com- they're com- pretty committed, you know. And I guess actually they might work for. I don't know Barry Island. It's a it's a permanent. Amusements, isn't it? It's not like they work for a traveling fair and they could no, scour the country no. for them. Exactly. Maybe I reckon they, they just they've they just got a lot, they've got got a lot of pent up rage from working every single day, and they want it. They, really, they've always wanted to smack some teenagers about, uh, but this time they finally got an excuse to do it. Yeah. Oh, maybe Perfect. that's it. Maybe part of their therapy was to tell you what I'm. I'm filled with such a visceral anger. The only thing that can actually help me keep my terrible rages under control is by constantly spinning people on waltzes. And with yeah. that taken away from them... With that taken away from them, I'm going to batter them to death. Batter anyone you find. We we don't see the mainland at this point. Everyone else in Barry Island could be dead by the time they, they've, they've, they've eliminated everyone else on the mainland. Because of these fucking guys. God. Um, dad. Is dad ace in the bear? Is dad their dad? I guess so. 
I guess his Christian name want, is Dad. <laughs> I want to see some sort of sitcom based on their upbringing and their home life. I want to see what Mum's like. Ace and, Ace and the bed. Based, based on this, she at least wears a denim jacket. Does mom. Yeah. Ace and the bear have given themselves those nicknames as well. Oh, Dad, oh, no, don't call me Kevin anymore. I told you, call me Ace. And don't <laughs> call me Keith, call me the bear. It's I've Uncle Blade all over again. It's Uncle Blade all over again. And Dad's gone, listen, just call me Dad from now on. Not twat or... It, the fucking waltzers operated idiot. We got to do all the hard work. We're spinning the waltzers. <laughs> You're in there pressing go every 15 minutes. Putting that song in the Oh, yeah. Scream if you want to go faster. Next oh, ride. yeah. Next ride, two minutes. No more new riders, please. Just no two seconds. Just two seconds. They've got to have someone on hand to clean up the vomit as well, because I imagine the waltzers is the most vomit-inducing ride of all of them. Do you reckon? I've never really mm. paused to think of the original cryptocurrency that was theme park tokens. Yeah. Do you think they base the number of tokens that is worth each ride based on the affluence of the area they go in? So you know, if you go in, if you go into mm. a, a well-to-do area, is a ride a three tokens? Token, infla- like a- token inflation has been something that's really bothered me for years. That's why I'd usually. I'd want to steer clear of any sort of fairground unless there's a flat rate that you can go in and, you know, pay you 15 wanna, quid. You like an Alton Towers. Once you're in, you're in. Once you're in, you're in. You can go on as many things as you want to. I feel like you can get ahead of yourself if it's all token-based, especially if you've got kids with you, because my daughter has no um, respect for, for you know, any sort of currency. She just thinks tokens are... Tokens ain't real money. It just lasts forever. Um She'd be like, I want to go on this ride. This essentially a fiver each time. I want to go on it three times. If you want to go on a ride, if you want to be 50 could, quid could you not, three could you minutes not have exper- Could you not have experienced it three times as hard? Open your eyes really wide the once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why there's a there's a place called Thunderworld, which comes to Bristol every now and again. Uh, well, I say every now and again, every year. And I think that's like a flat rate. You get a wristband. I see. I was a big fan of, grew up in the Midlands, so Drayton Manor Park and Zoo. Mm. Um where you would go, you pay an entry to get in, and then you'd buy tickets, or you could get a wristband. So it's a gambling that you could play. Yeah, that's a. You could get gamble. you could get a wristband if it's a if it's a high queues day. Maybe you're not going to get as much as you would with a with the tokens, but no. if you get yourself a wristband, then you have a benchmark. To say right, you take them out. How many tickets it would have been to go on those rides? And you know when you've turned, uh, you know when you've made a save in there. So right, I've got to get on my third and a half ride. Assuming you're not getting on any of your, any low bar ones, then you then you've then you've, you've turned you've you've got your value out of it. Wristband all the way, I think for me, I'm a wristband guy. Um, so yeah, so to get on the boat to escape, and I guess. And they're just, I don't know where they're going because they're not aiming to go to an island. Just, they're, they're just out, they're just out, out sailing. But Spud is, uh, is, is a, or is it Tom who's just a bad, a bad driver? Because they have, I don't, I think there's a bit is. here. I don't know why these lads are friends because they're like, Spud's driving it. And then Tom's like, You're doing a shit job of steering this boat, mate. And an absolute shitter of stealing Rick's boat. You're having a man. And he's like, Oh, well, Rick chose me to drive the boat. And every ever since he's chose me for anything, you've always been behind me with a spanner and some fucking good advice. Yeah, they and then they'd try and put a bit of history to these characters by kind of saying, "Well, I've had to listen to your shit jokes ever since you were a little kid." Was so, that Leslie? That was Leslie. Yeah, 
Jesus says that. Um, and yeah, then they run aground. Well, say run aground. They kind of hit a random rock in the middle of the ocean. It's not like they're anywhere near anything. Yeah, they um, hit a random rock in the middle of the ocean, but they're like, but yeah, we'll drown if we can't. We can't swim all this. It's okay. It's okay. We're in waist deep water, so that's we're we're just in waist deep water. It's absolutely fine. What about the sharks and stuff? Definitely no sharks off the coast of Barry Island. You're fine. Um, but there is an island nearby. Um, not Barry Island, a different island. Uh, Grand so, Island, is it what's like, it called? Like Grand Island, something like that. Grand Island. Um, yeah, where it seems like uh, no one's been there for for a long time. Oh, so essentially they get so they end up stranded. This is weird because when I first read the the synopsis for this, and it was like shipwrecked British teenagers, and I was like, what? <laughs> How do you end up shipwrecked? Like, let's are, be honest. If, are, any, if you're in the, right, living in the UK your whole life, not this not include tri- trips to other countries and stuff like that. Living in the UK your entire life, you'll never end up shipwrecked. There's not going to be a scenario where you end up. Oh, I've been bloody shipwrecked. Never. That's never going to happen. It's not like we're living in Barbados. Or these like guys that. do. They they get shipwrecked. Um, just stuff a little light. And I tell you what, the island is not promising. The first two things they encounter, Ben. Bloody all skeleton, and and yeah. then barbed wire, and the woman's like, "Poor skeletons, barbed wire." I don't know this island at all. Does does Jan? This is horrible. This is the uh, this is the worst island I've ever found. Two things that I don't want to see on the island: barbed wire, horse bones. Terrifying. One of them seen on the barbed wire as well. They just look where you're walking. Uh, so then they find the hotel, um, and they keep going. How did they get soaking wet? Did they end up in the water? Yeah, they, they go in the water, don't they? Because they, they, they spring a leak uh, and they've sunk. Sorry. One of them can't swim. So it's like, I can't believe them. So sorry, we, you can walk. You can paddle. Um, they're ever, Carol, they're ever so wet. Carol, the American woman, she, she didn't have moaning about this being wet. She's like, I just want to get out of my clock, wet clothes and get some something nice and dry. All right, did you bring a change of clothes? Did you know? Oh. So they get to the hotel. I thought about that before you got trapped on the waltzers. He was going to Barry Island on their own without a change of clothes. My friends are arriving from America the next day, so she's just going to be on the waltzers until they arrive. Killing a bit of time, wasn't she? That's all she was doing. Um, But yeah, when they arrive at this hotel and go inside, it's very strange because it's all decked out uh, for Christmas and it's got loads of banners up saying like Happy New Year and stuff. So it looks like... Happy New Year. Goodbye, 1959. Hello. Hello, 1960. The, The decade of love. Um. So yeah, but obviously it is July in 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 terms of our movie. So the fact that they've arrived and it's adorned with Christmas decorations, the teenagers initially think, "Oh, it's just just a laugh, isn't it?" It's obviously some kind of like theme night. People have like theme theme. Tell you what, you must have been doing theme nights for a while to have really reached the point where you get okay. This <laughs> theme, this theme weekend is. Late 1950s, moving into 1960s, Christmas yep. slash New Year. I like it. Christmas slash New Year. Not even just Christmas or New Year. Christmas slash New Year. Okay, I like it. I like it. We can work with this. Next week, we're going to do 1930s Pancake Day. Yeah. Yeah. Can what you imagine what the, what, the, what the lemon juice would have been like in the 1930s? Not watered down. Rationed, I'd imagined. <laughs> rationed. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So uh, ration, rationing era pancake day. What we should all do is we should all ration all the lovely food and drink we got together. Let's ration it like we're in the war. That sounds horrible. Nah, nah, nah. Well, that'll be right yeah, we, do to have be to, we do have to cover a lot of themes. 
Some people romanticize the past to a ridiculous degree. I feel like this would be entirely believable. If I ended up on an island like this, I'd be like, Jesus Christ. And this is the thing. The interiors are very, very, very British. We've all been in like a B&B on, in like a seaside town that kind of looks, you step into it. Um, and it that's is the like coolest, that's the coolest bit. For, for overseas listeners, if you're really inspired by um, us talking about Bloody New Year or seeing Bloody New Year yourself, I can guarantee even in the year 2023, you will be able to find a hotel exactly like this. It won't be difficult in the UK. Either. You, it you will difficult. just go somewhere that isn't, uh, you know, that isn't a chain, <laughs> isn't like a an Airbnb that's got contemporary decoration. Find yourself a cheap B and B or an out of the way seaside town hotel. It will look exactly like this. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's very, very believable. Um, I'm into it throughout uh so yeah so they bench they kind of like split up don't they some of them go some of them go and sit in the sit in the like the common area hoping to find someone whereas jan and rick help themselves to a to to some bath sex immediately it's very bizarre behavior right because i think even if you went into a hotel and it seemed abandoned one thing you wouldn't do is put on any clothes that didn't belong to you even if you had been like soaking wet from the sea and you're freezing cold you might change out of your clothes you know and wrap a towel around you until they're dry i don't think in any situation you go i'm going to put on these clothes that aren't mine because there could potentially be the awkward moment where someone literally walks in and goes that's my dress that's my not only not only my dress but like my stockings an entire set of underwear like you put, put on my underwear on all... what's wrong with you all of all of this person's clothes but i guess to be fair to jan in her defense she does first, for the purposes of one of these shots, make herself an entire dress out of bubble bath. Like you see her yeah. in the bath and she's got like a proper... That's good. She's, she's actually got an entire vest top made out of suds. Yeah. And then we get like a, a moment which is kind of like almost homage to A Nightmare on Elm Street where the shower head like falls into the water. Um, but this is the thing. There's a lot a lot of moments. This is good. It, it builds the tension quite nicely because there's a lot of moments where we see like a magazine close the record player slam shut and various yeah. other things. But that could have literally just been the wind. Cause even the bit where the little shower snake head falls into the tub, just yeah. like, oof, a little bit, oh, of, old, little bit of old water tickled. Um, that, and then, Rick, then, Rick, then Rick pops into the bath. Meanwhile, uh, there is some staff at the hotel. Thank goodness. A maid comes in to the, to Carol and goes, Oh, cheer. Yeah. Have, have some clothes change into they've got the fire on yeah and uh her her demeanor the fact that she's like so well to do and helpful and polite was quite creepy because obviously us us as the us as the as the the viewers of this movie were we know something ain't quite right it's called bloody new year we've seen the opening we know that she's probably some sort of ghost yeah um yeah and after that i think spud hears some music coming from the ballroom he goes and has a little look this is sees, the, this is he sees what I imagine is the band No More Tears performing another one of their hits. Yeah, they were like, "Can we be in? Can we be in the film as well?" Oh, I don't know about that. You just have to do a soundtrack, please. Yeah, go on then. Get yourselves in there. Oh, oh come on then. And I don't understand that. Like Spud, not I mean, we we know that he's a one of these terminally nice guys. He's a real Stanley Ipkiss, is this guy. And he's um, and he's like, oh, he sees a band appear, 
and then blink out of existence in front of him. And his immediate takeaway <laughs> that is that there are people that just don't want to talk to them. Oh, man, he, have, he, you, have, you ever he, done that? He kind of just goes, that's a bit weird. He actually says, weird? Have you ever done that, Ben? Like you, bump, you bumped into someone who you don't really want to talk to. You know, you only know him from work. You don't really mm. want to associate them outside of work. So when, when you see them out somewhere, you just blink out of existence. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good. I, I I tend to carry smoke pellets with me, Batman style, just in case yeah. I need to, you know, just disappear out of the Asda to the next aisle. Um, always awkward, but yeah, nobody reacts initially how you would react to any of this stuff. I think is it Janet? She opens the curtains and there's a face. There's a bloke there, and then he runs away. But she goes, "There was a face at the window and it disappeared." I was like, "No, there was a man standing outside." Yes, there was a horrible man. Ran away. That ran off. Ran off. That was it. And then later, when Janet's put in the, she's putting the clothes on. You know, this is the weird activity where Jan and Rick are putting on just an entire outfit, a nineteen fifties outfit that they found in in this hotel room they've just had baths in. Yeah. And Jan sees someone wearing the exact dress that she's wearing, crying behind her in the in the in the mirror. Yeah. And then Rick's like, "What? What's wrong?" So I just felt a bit funny. It's, it's odd. I've been, I've been, Any... in the, I've been in the bath a bit too hot, and I've just needed to sit down. There is not a single moment where somebody looks in a mirror or a reflective surface that doesn't have some sort of ghost or apparition shown in it. No, there's not even a fake out, not even once. None of them anyone looks at. Yeah, none of them mention it. That's weird. I think I just saw an actual, totally, totally different human being than was there before. Yeah, yeah they they look around and I'm like. No, nothing. Nothing when anyone anyone actually when anyone actually asks. No, nothing. Um she's not distressed enough not to, you know, snog snog Rick some more um while a yeah. ghost cries in the mirror. Um meanwhile, um I tell you what, Ben, I it reminded me of your conversation with with Johan last week, because meanwhile, Tom and um what's the chops, old um Leslie. Leslie, she she Tom's just having a lovely game of snooker oh my down God, in the common room. Two films in a row. People talk about have... having sex on a snooker table. People talk about having sex on a snooker table. And if so Leslie comes around saying... and he goes, "Have you ever tried doing it on a snooker table?" Tom's like, "What? Fucking playing snooker? What are you supposed to do it for?" Because I'm Tom. not inside. So he's like, "You, you, Tom's you in this film." <laughs> Tom's an absolute square. What's <laughs> that? No, no I've, I've used a snooker table exactly what it's meant for. But I've never used it for. I don't... You know, <laughs> Don't want to ruin the felt. Your bum rubbing on it. Your bum r- rubbing on the felt will absolutely. This is a, this is a, this this snooker table is in a common area. I mean, yeah. I think about everyone else that wants to use it. Exactly. Disgusting. And these hey. balls, well, they are wiped clean. Probably. What what if the next Stephen Endry comes here to have a thing, and his career is cut short because, but he. There's, he's trying to he's trying to buddy pop pink when oh. the win the buddy match and it and and the camber of the tables off because you've been loosening the legs or there's like a little yeah or, or gametes or, on the on the felt it's a, yeah it's a bit sticky on the felt and the the and the ball slows down at a key moment yeah so he basically yeah. Should, like yeah that's basically like, what he I'm, says I'm, this guy the snooker table he's like oh, behave. Absolutely behave. He goes, to be honest, I would, but I'm absolutely, I'm well into um, being an electrician because I fucked up those waltzers 
And I'm really looking forward to finding the circuit breakers to turn the lights on. Not only the electrician, he describes him as the king of fuses. The king of fuses. Oh, maybe we'll go find you another fuse to fuck or something like that. <laughs> the king of um, fuses. Like cousin of the master of unlocking. So he goes and finds the circuit breakers, turns the lights back on. In the perfectly and... in the perfectly light. Um Yeah. Although again, Buddy Leslie's right old horn dog. When she's down there, she's like proper like pounces on him and she knocks him onto the basement floor. Oh yeah, of course. Not so onto the basement floor. How? What happens with the fireworks? Are they just randomly set off? Oh yeah, they're just in the basement. Mm. When they turn the fuses on, it turns out there's just a big box of fireworks. That goth could have killed them like Jeff from Biker Grove. They seem to make a connection between turning the lights on and the fireworks going off. It's like, yeah. why, why would that happen? But they get no ill effects from it. They come back upstairs after all those fireworks have gone off. They don't attempt to shield themselves from them at all. They just sort of stand <laughs> there while they're all exploding. And then yeah. they go upstairs and everything's switched on. A mad hoover just comes at them and falls down the stairs. Yeah. They're really, but... they're really entertained by the fact there's a little clearly not mains-operated battery-powered Santa Claus ringing a little bell and going mad on the counter. They love that. They laugh at that like to such a degree... Where I'm like, hang on a minute. Like, that, I've never. That, I've new, never gained... that new technology in the 80s, though. Yeah, I think it must have been, yeah, because I've never gained that much pleasure from it. If I've ever seen like a little battery operated mini Santa, I'd go, oh, yeah, there he is. I'd little, I, would, I, I'd I don't little laugh. I operated I'd... dog when I was, when I was in, when I was probably, was 1987 ish, I imagine. Okay. Little dog, put a little battery in him, big, big fat. Flip. But yeah, oh, I didn't flip. He just walked along and then did like a little bark, bark, bark and then carried on. I think me- my daughter Megan owned about three or four of them during her during her, her, her first five years of her life. She loved them, absolutely loved them. Would she would she laugh at them like these grown adults do? This, yeah, but like, I think oh, so. Oh, oh. oh, look at this! This is a right laugh, and it's here just he funny. goes. Remember when Big Mouth yeah. Billy Bass first came out? Tell you what, generations of laughter. Sing his fish, great times. Uh, so yeah, they kind of all regroup and they end up in the hotel's theater which is screening a film. Apparently the film is Fiend Without a Face. Um, is this a real film? It's a real film, yeah. So they must I have done the look This looks good. A film from 19... Oh, a film from 1958 as well. So a film that would have been relevant to that time period. So clearly the director, Norman J. Warren, rest in peace, has done his research. Did his research, yeah. Oh, I, I, I think I'd quite like to watch The Fiend Without a Face. In fact... I might even bring it on my letterbox now and add it for future re- future reference because it doesn't yeah, have look like a great like um great little B movie like horrible horrible brains coming through the window of your house. Yeah, exactly. Um, around about this time, Rick is like convinced that someone's staging an elaborate prank, um, and this is probably one of the weirdest. For me, one of the weirdest moments. Let's try and break it down what exactly what happens here. So Rick goes to turn off the projector, but he he plays like this reel for the hotel, which shows like the party goers from the from nineteen fifty eight in front of the entrance. But what is weird is that like one of the figures bursts through a shake the screen. Well, a man, a man, a shake, a man. It looks like, it looks like, it looks like, it looks like old Greg. From from the mighty bush, and there is an uh, there is another old Greg like man made of seaweed as well. Um, but he bursts through the screen. Now, what's weird? So he kills Spud 
by just scratching his face. Yeah, yeah, he kills him, and they come and they come out like it's it's proper. What's his name from uh, from Salem's Lot? He just does a little attack on you, and it'll kill you dead. Just you bang your head together. You're dead. But how does he vanish? Because I was, I think I, I he goes off like yet. a balloon that someone's let go. They're not obviously yeah. like. A... He goes off like a balloon, and it ends up. Rick ends up like wrapped up in the in, in the, the like, film, film reel. I mean, the only bit we've missed on that bit is how outraged because they've all gone into the cinema, they sit watching it, and then Rick gets so angry, like um, the fiend without a face ends, and it literally says the end on screen. He goes, "Yeah, what the bloody hell? You, the, the film's gone. Like, it's ended." It's ended. It's the end of a film. He's he's Teletubbies in it. He wants it on again, <laughs> again, again, again. And that's when they come and put this reel on, and the <laughs> and the balloon shape comes out, and as you say, scratches um, obvious incel spurred to death. Yeah, deserved it. Um, um oh, because he's doing he's doing like shit comedy next to it. He's like standing next to the film, going. Oh look at me! I can do some the roof as well. And he's like pretending to. Totally is, what's kind of weird <laughs> is that this is the first instance of like one of them actually dying. One of them is actually killed by these supernatural happenings. They've gone from like being mildly confused by everything that's happening to one of them literally dying. And what being scratched in the face to death. Do, scratching the face to death. Um, what and then they go. Let's split up. So one of them's been died. Let's split up and find a way off the island. Um, obviously a, a huge error in terms of. Of, of the way horror yeah. movies usually play out um but again it's weird because it's all happening in in the daylight leslie and tom they go they find this cottage near the shore um yeah. and that is where inside leslie is attacked by like a seaweed man monster well, she, well, she's knocking on the door at first and then i think yeah. is the door just on the latch because she falls into the house into a net no one just the owner happening. of the house, not so, not a woman called Net. <laughs> She's not a Net. Just some, just some fishing apparatus. The owners aren't Rod and Annette. They're well into fishing. Uh, but there are nets <laughs> hanging up everywhere. Nets they're... full of bloody hooks, bloody pinhead's house. It's ridiculous, and and so many nets hanging everywhere, and people falling into them at every turn. Um, if she gets, everyone getting she gets tangled netted up in them. and is like. Bloody hell, girls out! This net is cutting me. And then there's a rope that comes to life, and it's like rep. And she does like a running get... commentary. It's wrapping up my legs. So what does he? What does Tom try and get get her out of the net with? He's got Chops like a... up with like an axe. He goes, "Don't He's worry." He's got an axe. Don't worry, you're wrapped up in a net. But I thought if anyone would have stumbled upon this moment of this happening, they think Tom was going to murder her. Going to axe her. When, and then when it, do we sort think... of the, when... the ghosts make kind of orgasmic groans as he as he chops up the net? Yeah. So we see they're like horrible green blood um of of the like seaweed man when when is leslie well this like, is this is the bit that happens now At what so, moment i don't know because she's been netted and she's she's livid that he hasn't that tom hasn't got her out very well he's like she's like well i'm fine actually just cut to ribbons by this net no thanks to you um and then before you know it like a velvet covered box becomes a big horrible seaweed man that's choking her like she's Bart Simpson. <laughs> she's like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. What this seaweed Tom, man. And Tom spear guns it. He spears, spears it, it a few times and he spears it until almost embarrassingly it's just turned back into like a felt covered box and he's like, poke, poke, poke. And then he gets thumped in the back, immediately triggering the scene to change. 
but not even like you know he gets pushed off camera or something's got him. Literally, it's at the moment like goes ah, and then as it happens, it's like gone, yeah. and it just and it goes uh-huh. to again. We're talking about inspiration from this film, a film, like a section of the film that would go on to inspire the happening years later. M Night Shyamalan mm. uh, okay. himself, because we just get bushes sort of jiggling and laughing it's like i mean you this is the thing right it's obviously got a low budget this film you can tell that and it feels like some of these sections are like wherever they're filming they've just gone there's this cottage over there should we maybe do a scene in there there's some woods over there should we do a scene in there they've kind of just split off and gone <laughs> let's just do a couple of scenes here there's like is there like a plane crashed into a nearby building i reckon that was already there must have been oh we we hear a plane crash but Let's just touch on this very briefly. Um, uh, okay. We have yeah, seen course. a bit of TV earlier on, 1950s television. Someone saying, oh, well, there's, a, there's like a scientific debate program on saying, oh, right. we've got a new plane that will be invisible to radar. And one of the scientists is having none of it. He's like, if you're messing with light, you're messing with time. And those two things. Those two things come hand in that's, hand. That's, play, that's playing God. I was explaining to yeah. Karen, actually, maybe now I understand this science. You know, um, I assume, Ben, right now, you're sitting with the lights on in your room, right? It's nighttime. Yeah. You're messing with light, Ben, and that is, in fact, messing with time and therefore playing God. Slows, slows what, you're doing, what you're doing by turning the lights on is you're summoning that light from a different point in time that it was light. Oh, yeah. See, that's what we've, we're, we're toying I'm, I'm with. Replicating the power we, of the, uh, replicating the power of the sun. Yeah, we're, we're messing with things that we, we don't understand. <laughs> So by messing with light, you're messing with time. And one of these scientists is there, and then the other sign, the sort of Jeremy Paxman type character, like goes, "Gentlemen, if we can't have a like a civil scientific discourse, we're not going to get anywhere." But I think like anybody else would kind of see this film. I say anybody else, me included, would watch this film. Think this was just like some 1950s TV play to try and establish the fact that we're in the 1950s. The fact that it kind of leans into what is essentially the is 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 dumping some what's the word. Some heavy exposition. Well, we until we get the until we get the yeah. the ghost of exposition later on. This is the height of subtlety because you would you would be forgiven thinking this is just flavor stuff. But mm. the 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 light and time bending aeroplane that someone's invented and was on like Tomorrow's World or whatever it was on the TV. <laughs> yeah, this top secret experiment that was going on they just televised. It, it does come back into play and we kind of hear it so. Back to where we were, Rick and and Jan are running around in the running around from invisible laughing bushes. Some footprints yeah. like walk towards them in the sand. Oh yeah, leave them alone. And then we hear the sound of a plane crash that we do not see. Mm. Well, this this is what I like about this is is it's very it's unique. It's a non conventional thing, and also the fact that these ghostly happenings are happening outside of the hotel the grounds of the hotel as well like it seems like the whole island has has been affected yeah it's it's happening it's happening all over we see a big explosion after we hear plane noises but we there is no evidence of anything happening is this now when carol has a little wonder or is this or is that or is that a bit later um I think Carol is when she gets caught inside the snowstorm inside the hotel. Which That's is the one. Like, it's clearly like, um, what's it called? Plastic. 
that it's 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 exactly right now. so carol carol goes in she finds she finds another little cottage um thankfully no nets in this one just an absolute blizzard behind the door just an absolute blizzard absolutely fuming you've been and she's and she reaches the point where i think the blizzard's about to overcome her she's tried to crawl back towards the fire that's not helping she's like oh so i am to die i guess and then that's it it's the end and then the blizzard has stopped and she's just outside again. And there's just a little dolly of her in a snow globe in the window. See, these things are kind of creepy and I feel like they would have been effective, especially in the 80s. Like the little dolly and against, you know, like sucked off into the wall and uh, people just vanishing. It was a people getting trapped in inanimate objects was fine, quite creepy, especially like we've mentioned the witches once, as mentioned the witches again, um, when the girl gets like trapped in the painting at the yeah. start. That's creepy. That'll get that'll that'll get you. That's what happens in a bit later on. But so Carol's fine. She has just been spooked a little bit by the by the hotel and the, and the snowstorm that's happened. Mm. Really intense uh, uh, snowstorm. Um, they all get back together. Um, no sign of no sign of, uh, of of Tom at any point because who should come along? But. Uh, our old, our old mate Leslie, saying, "Oh, quick! You've got, you've got to come up as Tom. He's in trouble." Tom's in trouble, so they go to the cottage to find him, and it's then. And this was, this was, to be fair, this caught me off guard. I did not expect the door to oblivion. <laughs> I didn't expect the free hooligans to return. Dad, ate, Dad, ace and the bear. What's the, yeah. door, what's the door to oblivion bit? Well, well, Rick walks through. He says, "Oh, he must be out there," and he opens the door and literally swings out over the cliff edge because oh, the door's Jesus. like blow it. <laughs> Shit! Do you do that, Ben? Do you fling a door open, just pace on through? I guess that's if you assume it's in a house, you might. You would, I think. Yeah. But they they get him in, yeah. and then that's right. This is when this is when Dad turns up, and he's got his signature weapon, kind of like deadly yo-yo chain. Uh, it was proper like, "What are you doing here?" I'd be like. Have you really followed us all the way here? What is wrong with you? I mean, to be fair, they've signed their own death warrants by following them all the way to this island. So yeah. this shit goes to show. Don't hold a vendetta against a group of teenagers. Just get on I'll the tell line. tell you what, though. Dad doesn't have to give Rick quite a thump in. They're, quite, they're kind of fighting for a bit. And then he, he telegraphs that punch. He proper charges yeah. that attack up. He's missed Fox him with his chains. Flying. And then he like, goes, oh, kaboom. He does like the biggest punch. Ever and like knocks him across an armchair, and then um, he good. turns. It, remi- and- it reminded me of the fight at the end of Last House on the Left. Yeah, like in a in a close quarters fight in a living room between an older man and a younger guy, uh, a lot of ducking, a lot of ducking punches. But you ducking know, and it, ducking it, and it would have been it was it would have been full James Bond fight <laughs> if they'd only done the the only move that's missing from a James Bond fight when you've got the advantage over someone and then you do the. The two fists downward thump on the back. Oh yeah! Oh yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> the hammer that's blow. <laughs> hammer, hammer power. Um, but it. but he um he has knocked Rick out, knocked Rick on his ass with a big punch, and then mm. he turns his attention um to Leslie. But he tell you what, I mean, serves him right for going to punch a a woman who wasn't really fighting him, especially one like oh, right the stomach, in the stomach as well. Puts his arm right through her. And he's very I was, surprised. Yeah, I think I he's surprised by this. I thought, but he has he killed Leslie. Is he a ghost? But no. Mistaken. It's Leslie that's the ghost. She's pretty the horrible ghost. salty sound. I feel like if, if you if you did that, you'd be like, I don't know my own strength. I just punched through the abdomen of a woman. However, 
Well, yeah, he looks back at her and she's got half a face. She's like Harvey Two-Face, she looks like. Um, it looks a bit like tinfoil on her face. Gave me Tetsu the, Tetsu the Iron Man vibes a little yeah. bit. Um, and her, her hair has been all tousled up, you know, to look ghost-like. Um, so, yeah, at some point she was possessed by, by a ghost, I guess, when she was in wrapped up in the net or attacked by the seaweed man. Yeah. So at, at some point she's been got and we have now led to believe that she must have got Tom and mm. she kind of looks down and laughs. Just a simple laugh, Ben, but as if that laugh to say, hey, you think your punch is powerful? Check out, check out this. And then she throws him, not through the door to oblivion, but through the wall. Yeah. And he crashes through it like Nanny from Duckula. And just out, <laughs> in, out, out into oblivion, off the edge, yeah, out the window. Dead. And then back, back in the house is when Bear like comes after the others. Oh yeah, you could, well, we get we get both of them that come in. The others, the yeah. others run away. They've seen they've seen that Leslie's a ghost now, but thankfully she has retained even in possessed form her weakness to nets. And Rick chucks. A oh my of nets god! Over yeah, and she's like, bloody out! I'm tangled right up for God's sake. So they're able uh, to escape back to the hotel, and then we see um, the the guys have again kind of split up. Uh, Jan and Carol witness first. Ace comes in with a machete through the bar. So um, literally, they've these thugs have gone from just wanting, I guess, just wanting to teach him a lesson to literally wanting to kill them all now. Yeah. They must have had a conversation. We're like, right, we've got to get a boat. We'll go after him. We've got to murder him. Yeah, we've got to murder him. Uh, and we'll, we'll just assume there's no one else on this island. So these thugs, um, so Ace is crawling through the bar where they're having an ugly drink earlier on, like waving a machete at him. But the one thing he's not prepared for is for Carol to like, this is probably the most severe bottling I've ever seen in a in a, in a film. She like gets a full bottle of like, you know, not like a beer bottle. She gets like a full, off one of the optics. Optics, off one of the optics, like... <laughs> Weigh, weighs like a few kilos. And look double handed, he's my background there, like over his head, smashed, and he's he looks he's pretty down. happy about being a being a ghost there, isn't yeah. He's down and out though. He's down and out. The, they, to live for. they run inside and they run upstairs. That's when uh, Bear, aka little Alex Horn, in Texas Midnight Runners with his neckerchief, dives through the window um and encroaches on them slowly. But his menace is very quickly undermined as um old Leslie comes comes in through the through the ceiling rose. Leslie the zombie just inexplicably comes down through the ceiling rose, made to think that she's somehow in the attic or whatever's up there, and she comes flying down, grabs Bear, and twists his head well don't don't twist it clean off, but just twists his head round very, very slowly. Twists about it round. Three, yeah, three, three, um, <laughs> three full rotations before she then twists it with like a bit of a flourish to finish him off. Yeah, and again, low budget wise, we could definitely see how this was done. You know, he's definitely got his clothes on backwards in some of the scenes. However, you know, great kills him. And this, this is what's weird, right? Tell me if I'm not the only one thinking this is weird. Rick takes an old shotgun. Where do you get that from? Finds it in one of the puzzle rooms. He has to replace it with a broken shotgun, and then he is can. This... Is this yeah exactly? Is this the house of Resident Evil? What is going on? Is this a Spencer Mansion? Because you don't just find shotguns knocking about in the UK. Um, but yeah, he shoots her in the stomach, and she's like, 
didn't even affect me, not even slightly. Does, I've got a hole in it, and it's, and then but when he shoots her again, but when he shoots her the second time, she's like, ah, oh, I'm dead. It's yeah, like, really, really slow there. It is very double tap. He shoots her once, and she's got a massive hole in it, and all that happens is like wind, like goes out of her body, yep. and then she still approaches them. Oh, by the way, she's approaching poor old Jan. Jan, uh, she's approaching yeah. Jan, who's been who's trapped because her arm has been bitten by like uh like a a vulture banister. It's like a well, it says. Yeah, like a, a banister, like the head head of the banister, which looks like a bird, and it's like bitten onto her so she can't move and, and Jan uh Leslie's approaching. Yeah, um yeah, but you're right. And then she the first bullet just kind of looks up and is like oh, not even bothered Pathetic. me. And then shoots him again and goes, oh, actually that's my health at zero sauce. Yeah. And like collapses no. And then Rick rushes down and bashes her arm off with the blunt end of the, the shotgun. Yeah, and he get, has to get like stopped from doing it. Like he's like he's taking out all of his rage. What's interesting about this is the whole time is that Rick is still dressed like he's from the nineteen fifties. Got his hair slicked back. He's got like one of those. He's running about dressed like Biff Tannen. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what's so uh, funny about it. Yeah, so he's he's oh actually he's dressed like George McFly, isn't he? He's got the slicked back hair. Yeah. So he's dressed as George McFly, and he beats him up. Meanwhile, Carol uses Ace's machete to chop the vulture banister mm-hmm. uh, and free Jan and they all um do they where do they run off to at this point? Just to another room. To another room because that's when Tom gets back to the hotel. Yeah. Um all like under the weather. He's he's ever so poorly. God knows what he's been feeling. Yeah he's come he's come he's come back at the verge of being knocked out. Like literally little tweety birds are going around his head. And he's yeah. like, buddy, and, Leslie, and, be careful. It's Leslie, Leslie. But I'm, but I am now paralyzed. And I can't do anything. I can't do anything about this. Yeah. He like lies down on the sofa with Janet, and she's like stroking his head, trying to make him feel better. And that's when Rick and Carol go searching for the boat, which the hooligans arrived in. Um, yeah. They discover the site of another plane crash. So this is like the sort of time yeah. loop. They find the site of a plane crash where there's a radio broadcast from Operation think- Mirror. A little bit like the movie Triangle as well. I'm starting to get vibes yeah. of now. Yeah. All these films that have taken influence from this influential piece of cinema, um, we've seen in the background lots of other times we've seen a mirror. We've seen, and I think it was the spooky pilot that was looking in the window earlier. Mm. Um, they've taken a detour from looking at this boat because obviously they've seen one ghost that seems to be running away from them. Um, they come along, they have a look in there and see, um, they hear this radio broadcast. Carol is surprised as the pilot appears behind her, but he's no match for being bashed by a shotgun. It makes him turn to dust. Hmm. Makes him turn to dust, yeah, exactly. And they go, right, should we? now we've bashed this man to dust, should we go back to looking for the boat again, find it pretty quickly, and decide they're going to head back to get Jan and Tom. However... Hmm. Just after Jan has finished barricading the door, literally she put the last lamp against the pile of stuff saying, ah, no one's getting through that door in a hurry. All of a sudden, Tom starts being ever so ever so weird. Yeah, very strange. Um, and then basically he turns into a weird zombie ghost just as Leslie did. Um yeah, zombie ghost, he but he's grabs he's more, grabs older sex offender than 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 ghost Leslie is though. Way more sex offender, yeah. Because um, bearing in mind he says like oh gosh, my voice is lovely. he's got a got a possessed voice. 
So he's going, got over such lovely, dirty games we can play, me and you, uh, Jan. And then, yeah. oh, fucking, I've just barricaded the door, Tom. Yeah, I can't get out at all. Just barricade, I've barricaded myself in here with you. Um, but he was a bit of a square sexually earlier. Now he's like horrible sex pest. Yeah. So she, thankfully, she's barricaded the door and manages to unbarricade it enough that she can slip out. Mm. Um, Tom does get out behind her, going, "Oh, come on, then, let's bloody have it." And then um, she Christmases him. Because have a have a bloody tree on you. Get some Christmas, oh, yeah. tree, mate. Again, he pushes the tree on it. Doesn't he? When he's under there and he can't move, he's like, "Why have you done this? Why have you?" Done- he, he, he says something I never thought I'd hear a ghost say. He says, "What are you playing at, Jan?" <laughs> Imagine a, a ghost asking what someone's playing at. It's like a 1950s ghost, though. You know, probably is a bit. They are a bit silly. Um, and then and yeah, she manages to get to like the hotel's lift. Tom is in pursuit, but then he. But he's the lift like traps and severs his arm. His, smashes his fingers off first in the in the lift door. He yeah. does grab a leg, and then she presses the button, and it chops his arm off like Richter in. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, in Total Recall, she might say to him, see you at the party, Tom! <laughs> oh, that was a fantastic irony for a second there. Um, uh, but unfortunately, yeah, and... that's a, that's a only one trick, because next time she tries to press the lift button, it turns to licorice, doesn't it? Squashes! Jesus. Absolutely devastated. And that is when this featureless figure comes out of the wall, envelopes... Uh, no, wait. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, envelopes Janet, absorbs her into the water. This is a pretty good effect, you know? Yeah. She gets pretty well. She gets um she gets slurped off into the inanimate wall. Um Rick is able to open the lift doors just enough to see the slight protrusions of her of a like you can see her nose just disappearing. So he's he knows that she's been slurped off into the wall. He's it's confirmed. Yeah, and he's Um, dead upset about it. Far more upset than when Spud was scratched. Did that, effect, did that effect come? Bef- I guess it came before or after the effect in Nightmare on Elm Street with. I guess after because that's what uh, that, Nightmare on Elm Street is eighty four and this is eighty seven. Is that the, is it the it was the first one of Freddy coming yeah. through the wall though, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, but it's effective. I think it's yeah. It's um, obviously no 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 budget for CGI, but I think it's a good good effect. Um, it's and then effect. then it's like Cat Carol and Rick are like this bit was a bit tedious i think like ace the... is still ace is still in play ace is still in play and there's like weird kitchen poltergeist activity uh and then they managed to hide in a room and then all the pot all the damage that the poltergeist calls in the kitchen we like reverses this... we see this happen a few times they go into the kitchen and they avoid the poltergeist activity enough to hide in the pantry however ace mm. not so lucky gets p- accident he gets accidented to death like he just gets kind yeah. of shoved into big old pot of boiling oil yeah he gets made into why... made into sausages in there or something i don't know what happened, what what this very dangerous piece of kitchen equipment is yeah so unlucky ace you're gone so he, he's uh, gone but then we see it a few times where after things have happened we've seen it with the damage to the banister we've seen it with um other things that have been broken throughout the thing Time will occasionally reverse and it will be put back to normal. I think yeah. a, a snooker ball that Tom potted earlier, we see like get slurped out of the pocket and go back into the triangle. You're cheating, you are? No, no, it's the, it's the, it's the time warp stuff with this hotel. Well, that pocket, I potted that a second ago. Now it's back out. Yeah, blame the hotel. Don't blame me. I'd never cheat. Uh, well, this hotel is on a time warp. Sorry. 
I didn't control yeah, I that. Can't help it. Um, and that is Carol and Rick end up in the ballroom, and then a woman walks out onto the stage. This felt very Phoenix Nights, <laughs> and then but it's pretty Ghost Leslie, isn't it? But now it's in a Ghost dress. Ghost Leslie now in a dress, and she basically does. She tells everybody. She confirms the story to everybody um, about how and why they're there, which is that the they're trapped at a time warp created when an aircraft carrying an experimental cloaking device crashed on the island on New Year's Eve, nineteen fifty nine. Um, I guess that doesn't really explain the supernatural side of it, but because they all they were killed or now they're trapped here. Whether you're dead or alive, you're trapped yeah. in 1959 New Year's Eve forever, and there's no escape. There's You've... no escape, think, and it's just a stone's throw away from Barry Island, you know. So where all that fun's happening over there, you're stuck on this hotel. You'd be, you anywhere. would be livid, but you think it doesn't mean you have to be horrible, ghost. You could just that's true. You could put your heads together and try and work out how to get out of the time loop. Or no. just enjoy New Year's I Eve. I can't imagine they have many visitors either, so the fact that they do, they're probably like, can't wait to kill them. Yeah, I don't Join know. You could, you could spend a bit of time with them. But yeah, they, they yeah. want to, they've decided they want to kill them. They confront them um, in the in the games room. Uh, there's, yeah. a pin, there's, a, there's a pinball table. All the other characters that we've seen kill off Spud's back. Very gropey, ever so gropey still. Yeah, I think that's like the real Spud. You know, that was what he's really like. Yeah, that's he's not really a nice guy. I mean, no. I was thinking as he was groping Carol there, I hope someone drives a snooker table through him so hard that he gets halved. Yeah. That's exactly like what happens. The so leg of it splits him, splits him asunder, like a Twix. Just like a Twix. And he then the, Twix. The, the snooker table turns into a weird sort of like, it tips, tips rick and carol up is it the hero because they're kind of they're kind of yeah, ultimately the surrounded thing, and the ghosts are like yeah join us will you because there's no escape and then they get on the snooker table and for a second i was like are they going to reappear on the waltzers did it appear did they just spin them so fast they've had a horrible <laughs> but it doesn't yeah. the snooker table just kind good. of piles them out of the window and they look in and it's all been restored to normal hmm. they run down to the beach they find the they find the boat of those horrible carnival thugs that were going to kill them, yeah. Um, and they go to get in it. There's no, there's no oars for the rowboat. They just assume they're going to push it out, and it'll just go Barry Island, just please. Your, just use your hands. That's all you got to do. Yeah, just, just paddle it away. Unfortunately, um, Rick falls for an obvious ghost trick. Jan yeah. kind of is there again. Don't it's me, Jan. Me. Not a ghost. Don't leave me. I'm definitely not a ghost. Come back here. He gets pretty quicksanded, doesn't he? Your worst fear, man. <laughs> My worst fear. He gets quicksanded and then gets his head, I guess, sliced off with a motorboat propeller by a zombified dad. Um, yeah, it's pretty horrific. Yeah, zombified dad. Um, I mean, if if you didn't think. Can you imagine that, Ben? What would you do in this situation? I know, 1987, Ben, probably peak time for being afraid of um, quicksand, right? I don't know or if baby. I was aware of quicksand as a baby, you know, but I probably would have been afraid of it if I was, if I was ever, um, if I ever came to, came face to face with some. So in, but in probably your... more scared of a zombified man cutting my head off with, with a propeller, I think. What would you do if you were up to your neck in quicksand and a zombified man was coming at you with a boat propeller? Would you would you endeavour to sink more in the yeah. quicksand and just oh, eat it that way or would you just take the propeller I don't know really either is pretty bad because you're kind of suffocating slash drowning or just 
I mean, if the death with the propeller was definitely quick and instant, maybe that. You'd be a more uh, handsome but... ghost, though, wouldn't you? You wouldn't have, like, propeller face. Yeah, but you'd have sand face, like Leslie. Uh, so, yeah, but we think Carol might be the only one who survived, but no, she also gets pulled through the floor of the boat. To Made to think that not only are the forces of evil from this island, they they, they go out into the sea. Where, where does it end? Where's the border? Where's the end of the jurisdiction? Exactly, because that part of water, maybe it's like about 100 feet into the water because she gets pulled through the boat. Um, and then we get like the shining scene, you know, where they're all at the new, all at the. Is it a New Year's Eve party? It's a Fourth of July party. They're at a New Year's Eve party. Um, yeah. But I feel like Carol's had the worst deal because all the others that have been got over the course of the film, yeah, are, are having a having a New Year's conga, and they've got ever I, such a good conga line now. Maybe it takes like a few minutes for you to come to terms with the fact that you're stuck there forever and you're kind of happy about it. Until she wants gonna... to join the party, she's stuck in the mirror dimension like Candyman. She's stuck in the in what was she's stuck in the phantom zone. Well, yeah, she's she. They're all there congering about the place. You know, oh, I'll tell you what, I can't wait for nineteen sixty. Um, and can't wait for nineteen sixty. It's gonna be a right laugh. Hang on a minute, where'd you get those clothes from? That fashion you're wearing seems two decades ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah they're in their. Cool. You're right. They're in their eighties clothes now at this part. They're just having New Year's Eve after New Year's Eve. Must be like what it's like at Jules Holland's house. Um, oh yeah, Must and who and Annie all day. All year long hooting. They are hooting annying for days <laughs> over there. Eternal hooting annies. Um, and and then and then it ends with a horrible blood curdling scream, which, to be honest, I thought was unnecessary. Yeah. Well, she's stuck in the mirror dimension. You'd have to make yourself heard. Yeah, but it kind of it put the. It, it, I was felt. Oh, that's the end of the film. Well, the like, oh, oh Jesus Christ! Put the willies at me. But yeah. you get another. Then we get another little rendition of uh, "No More Tears" is the. The recipe no, for love. no more tears is, yeah, no, no um, more no more tears is the recipe for love, which, as we all know, is in a very heteronormative sense. Um, you take one boy, take one girl, add a little love, shake it all up, shake it all up. It's a recipe for love. It's a recipe for love. Shake it. Not the recipe up. for love. In fairness to them, that's just a yeah, that's possible true. recipe. It's for a love. recipe for love. There, there are dozens. I've not dozens. got the album. Maybe the album covers several other recipes. Yeah, I hope so. Big cookbook. Um, okay, that's it. Have you got any name game? I have got some name game for you, Ben. Read me the synopsis real quick and I'll see what I can work it into here. Uh, the synopsis is a group of teenagers... Wait, I've, I've forgotten the synopsis already. A group of teenagers end up... <laughs> this, this is this is the thing. A group of teenagers end up shipwrecked on an island where all is not as it seems. Uh, no, no, a group of friends take refuge in an island hotel that is decorated for New Year's Eve. Okay, so... Um... A um a group of teenagers find themselves shipwrecked on an island where all that there is to enjoy is really bad um contemporary material from the artist responsible for driving home for Christmas. It's not very good though. This uh this this uh <laughs> these recent releases. His recent releases. So it's new Rhea. Yeah, Chris Rhea. Yeah, Chris Rear. And it's cr- Cruddy. Yeah, Cruddy New Rear. Cruddy New Rear. I like it. Um, uh, you got what? Oh, you got any? Yeah, no, let's alternate. Let's alternate. Don't oh, didn't want, don't you? Give, you go for it. I don't want to give you all my shit ones in one go. Shit sandwich. <laughs> uh, a group of friends take refuge in an island hotel that is decorated for New Year's. Um, but on their way there, all of their brand new clothes got ever so dirty. Brand new clothes got ever so dirty. 
on the way to this hotel. Is it Muddy New Gear? Muddy New Gear, that's correct. Uh, and they got wet in this, but not muddy. <laughs> yeah, not muddy. The only only when he was quick sandy, and then arguably he's more sandy than muddy. Yeah. Uh, what's your next one? Right, I'm gonna go for um. So, um, a group of teenagers are shipwrecked on an island and find themselves terrified by a naked person who's just painted in a primary colour, chasing them about the place. Uh, painted in a primary colour? Yeah, it's painted in primary colour, this antagonist. Um, and he and he goes around naked, apart from this oh, primary colour, uh, and he terrifies him. N- nuddy. Yeah. Blue. Yeah. Rear? It would have a new rear, but all of him's all of him's naked. They're afraid of him though. Ever so scary. Nuddy new fear. Yeah. Nuddy nuddy blue fear. Is what that <laughs> film is? That's it. The, I had one that was nuddy new rear. So I'm going to scrub, <laughs> I'm nuddy scrub blue, that one off. Nuddy blue fear. Nuddy blue fear. Okay. Um a group of friends take refuge in an island hotel that is decorated for New Year's, but end up being forced into a consumer tasting event where they have to try a new alcoholic beverage uh, and rate it. Okay, so it's something new beer. Um, yeah. And they're tra- is it that they're trapped or is that it's um, is that they're tasting it? It's not that they're, they're not really trapped, but they're, they're just, just being they're being, forced, beer. <laughs> they're being forced to like. Uh, you know, to, to think about all the taste, all the taste notes, and all the ins and outs of it. The ABV, they want to know all the facts of it, where where it was made, the the making process of it. Ah, they have to study new beer. It's true, study new beer, which is kind of like a little bit of a fear of mine being accidentally involved in some sort of consumer tasting event. Um, yeah, that's that. I've got I've got one more for you. Uh... Ben, in which case uh, a group of teenagers are shipwrecked on on an island, but it's not all bad. Um, they befriend um, very quickly a, a a noted singer who often doesn't show her face, but only when they get to know her well do they find out she's actually uh, the mythical 151st Pokemon from the original generation. Oh, Jesus Christ. They make friends with her as well. A woman who doesn't show her face very often. Doesn't often show her face. Um, noted singer. Um, Gabrielle, Sia. That's right, Sia. Uh, they befriend Sia, but when they get to know her, they find out she's also the legendary 151st Pokemon from the original game. Bloody Mew Sia. <laughs> Buddy Mew Sia. Buddy Mew Sia. Bloody hell. Jesus Christ. That's and there we go. I got all oh, right. I got one more. Go on then. Um, a group of friends get <laughs> run aground on a random island where they end up in this potentially haunted hotel, where a famous, ageless Hollywood actor, star of Marvel movies, uh, the Ghost, the latest Ghostbusters film, and Friends, just won't stop staring at them in a really sexually promiscuous and creepy way. 
So, Ruddy. Yeah. Full Ruddy. And he leers. But what is he? What? It's the, the, I couldn't think of anything for the middle word. <laughs> Ruddy, who, who leers. Uh, yes, have who? Ruddy, Ruddy. who leers. Paul Ruddy. Ruddy. What are you looking at me like for? For God's sake, I know you look great. They're, but they're, stop looking at me like you'd eat me for breakfast. They're, they're mates with him in a in a British primary school thing where they've just added a Y to his name already. Oh, yeah, classic. Why do you call? Rud- why, do, why do they call him Ruddy then? Because his name's Rud, and then we've just added a Y to it. Oh, bloody, that's a g- genius. Uh, Ruddy, okay. who's the who leers? Bloody hell, Rud. So now we got to rate the movie. Another instance where my, discussing it with you has increased <laughs> my enjoyment of the movie, as it always does. You know, it's it's, it's a it's a little bit predictable, but it always tends to happen. Yeah. Uh, you got first, Ben, or do you want me to go? You could go. All right. Um, objectively, <laughs> this is awful, right? Like it's it's, yeah. it's it's a movie with very little effects, no actors of note, and it is absolute pigging nonsense. Uh, the the sci the sci fi angle comes from nowhere. There's a shake that's a balloon that scratches a man to death. Um, but I kind of love how shit this is, I, and I kind of love how it is. I love the non sequiturs and that it that it's absolute nonsense. There's a lot of fun that I had with this movie, and I come into this kind of thing for the experience. There's no greater crime a film can commit than I'm watching it and going, "Oh God, this is bad and predictable." One thing you can say about this movie: it's never predictable. You never know what's going to happen next. Like, it's true. What, never knew that dad was going to punch a hole in that woman and then think, the, the, the turn on its head when you go for, oh, he's killed bloody Leslie. The camera pans up. Don't worry about it, mate. She's a bloody sand ghost. She's Got a bloody you. sand ghost. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like, I think this is brilliantly awful. And this is the type of movie that you would put on Put this on when you got got mates around because you don't need to follow it because no one can. Um, yeah. And I now my greatest horror regret is that we may never have the opportunity to fully understand what they were going for or what's happening here. This is the horror movie I want to see remade. Obviously, yeah. we'd retain that we'd retain the the no more tears, um, the cry no tears sound. Yeah, the, the the soundtrack's already there. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah, and, and obviously it would video. still it would still be set. Oh, Ben, I'll get to the rating in a second. But remake or legacy sequel? Oh, it's got to be remake, year. isn't it? It's got to be remake. Unfortunately, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to have oh, like twenty twenty three people at Barry Island go yeah. to? They also get in a spot of bother with some ride operators and end up on the Mystic Island. The people from the eighties would be there. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah. They're all, they're all there. But then oh, it'd be good if they didn't, hadn't aged. You know, we've got some old footage of them in the 80s. Digitally just... de-aging? Digitally de-aging. They can have the budget. <laughs> a budget that. of millions. Budget um, of millions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, despite this being awful, and I'm not going to go mad and say bloody A, because it is really bad. It, it's, it's a big old load of nonsense, but I do really like it. So I'm going to give it a C minus. No, it, yeah, a C minus. That I think recognizes that it's bad. I do actually like this. Yeah. This is good. Yeah, I, I was thinking a C, a C. I think I'd go for a straight C because it's it, again one of those films that would be great to watch with like 
friends or like you know a group of people to, to kind of appreciate the the bad i mean the acting's not bad i said the acting's pretty good um but like the bad i guess effects and kind of like the nonsensical plot that just flies about but i kind of like this unique thing that's got going on that rather than it being a straight up supernatural film it's got an interesting thing that like draws, draws from <laughs> things like the shining draws from um, I know I said it draws from Triangle. Obviously, Triangle came a lot after a lot after this. However, like the fact that it kind of feels like it's got this. T- I love a time loop film. I love a um, a movie where there's something additional in terms of not just a supernatural force. There's also something else that's kind of driving it on, um, and that's kind of fascinating. However, yeah, I mean how it plays out is is ridiculous. So I think a C is fair, but I think as a as a British person watching it, I think it has that extra je ne sais quoi about it. Um, this extra element to it that makes it enjoyable. I uh, genuinely think that with in skillful of hands, scant hands more skillful than than mine for certain. You could take the kernel of this story and have a time loop hotel piece, and it could be really good. Hmm. Oh, I think yeah, you, I think you could do. It in a really compelling way. It could be a good film and a good story. Really surprising. Okay, so that is it for Bloody New Year, and that is it for the year of Horror Hangout 2022. Thanks, everybody, uh, for all your support during this year. Thanks for everybody who's who's supported us on Patreon. Um, and, every, and again, at the top of the show as well, we said thank you to all of our guests for this year. Returning guests, brand new guests, um, you know, people that we've had interviews with this this year as well. Hopefully there's going to be far more bonus content in 2023 um, and more coverage of things like film festivals and other events. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Let's 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 do it. Um, and yeah, give us a give us a shout if there's anything you want us to cover in 2023. Um, so, yeah, if, if you did enjoy the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to our current patrons. John Crinnan, Ben Scape, Stephen Christopher, Laura Kendrick, Toby Miller, Lane Spencer, Ollie Chav, Leslie Carlo, Julia Bilgren, Nick Spill, Troy Bursch, and Pazuzu. Thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to Acast for hosting the show. Please can consider giving us a rating or review, heading over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Just search Horror Hangout Podcast on any of those platforms. So next week, we're going to be doing a 2022 year in review. So tell us what your favorite films of the year have been so far. And we'll be discussing first episode of 2023, looking back on 2022, how we always start the year on Horror Hangout. Send in some of your, send in your recommendations, things we should watch. If you listen to this around the time it comes out, we'll endeavor to get to them or put it on a list of things we need to catch up on. If you've got any hot takes you'd like, you send them any platforms that Ben just reached, just went yeah. through that you could reach us by. Read a couple a out if you send some in. Get get Hell stuck yeah. in. We'll read them out. Have Great. a happy new year. Uh, and not a bloody new, new year. year, I hope. Don't get stuck on a time loop island where zombified hooligans who have chased you from Barry Island want to kill you because that would be terrible. Hope you hope you have a safe and enjoyable uh, celebration. Yes, exactly what Ben said. Happy New Year, everybody. See you in 2023. Okay, see you later. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.